This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. President Biden speaking in depth for the first time about the Chinese spy balloon and those other objects discovered over the last two weeks. U.S. officials now believe the three items shot down in North American airspace were likely tied to private companies or research groups. The intelligence community's current assessment is that these three objects were most likely balloons tied to private companies, recreation, or research institutions. Charges could be imminent after a Georgia grand jury that investigated alleged election interference by former President Donald Trump today said it saw evidence of perjury by one or more witnesses. The jurors also unanimously rebutted claims of widespread fraud made by Trump after the 2020 election. Legendary baseball broadcaster for both the Mets and the Yankees, Tim McCarver has died. What a life, was 81 years old. Fairness and accuracy and honesty have always been my goals, along with teaching you something you may not have known about this great game. I hope I've achieved those things. Thank you very much. Kick some ass on a Friday morning, New York City. We're going to kick some major ass on this show today. This is such a great way to start the program. The Foo Fighters, live from Wimbledon, England. My hero. Give me some more of this, old Lou Rubino. And it's Wembley, by the way. Wembley? Yes. Oh, it's close. W, England. Yeah, it's close. Give me some more of this. Truth or consequence? Say it aloud Here's that evidence Racing around Come on, sing along, baby. There goes my hero. There goes my hero. 6.05 on your Friday morning. What a great show we've got planned for today. Everybody from Brooklyn politician Lester Chang to one of our favorite TV personalities and WABC radio personality, Judge Janine Pirro, Michael Goodwin, the great columnist in the New York Post, Anthony Scaramucci, he made big news this week. Chris Cuomo went on his podcast and said he wants to kill everybody, including himself. Noam Layden's going to be here. Curtis, so a monster Friday show about to come your way. The reason why we picked, uh, it was really Lewis who picked uh, My Hero this morning, is because... Well, two very famous people died on this day. One, of course, right to that song, is the great drummer of the Foo Fighters, Taylor Hawkins. No, it's his birthday. Today's his birthday? Yes. Wow. I'm sorry. 
He was in, uh, what were they, in Colombia when he died? Yeah, down uh, <laughs> yeah. South America. Yeah, South I America. think it was Colombia. Right. Any chance he got some decent cocaine before he died that night? <laughs> Is there a <laughs> <Yeah>. chance? <laughs> when, you, when you die in Colombia, you don't even need an autopsy. You don't even need one. Plus the fact, God rest his soul, he was a brilliant drummer. Taylor suffered with drugs for years. The harder stuff, even heroin and stuff like that. So, Have they toured since... Taylor Hawkins died. Well, they got back together again. They they, they did. Were, they, yeah, they're start. They were getting. They're they're starting to record, and I think they've toured again. I, I who replaced them? How do you, how do you replace a guy like that? Like like when uh, Clarence Clemens died, the E Street Band and Bruce Springsteen's on tour. Clarence's nephew actually joined the band, so they kept that in the family. How do you replace a guy like Taylor Hawkins? And the funny thing is, he was intimidated about playing the drums in this band. When Dave Grohl yeah. has been like revered as one of the best drummers in rock and roll. Now, today. did Dave Grohl play drums with Nirvana? Yeah, he did. Yes. Yeah, and then yeah. Uh, that band was great until Kurt Cobain went and shot his mouth off, literally. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. But he used to say, but Taylor Hawkins would say, I, "This is crazy that I'm playing drums yeah. with like in the band of one of the great drummers in the world." Right. And he is always asked to play with other. Uh, people, Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl. Yeah. Is he a better drummer than uh, Phil Collins? I don't know. It looks like they're different styles. Dave yeah. Grohl's a really intelligent guy. I know. He's I know. very... Yeah. He's good at a lot of different things in, in music. He plays the guitar very well, drummer. Are you, are you a big Foo Fighters fan? No, I actually hate Foo Fighters music, but uh, yeah. it's cool. Actually, you were talking about who's going to replace... Uh, Taylor, Taylor Hawkins. Hawkins. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's a long-term thing, but I know for one performance of that song, My Hero, yeah. they had his son, Shane Hawkins, perform on the drums. He's wow. A drummer too. That's cool. So you How do you know this? I, I watched the video. It was a like pretty like big deal <laughs> a little while ago. Oh, are you not shocked like I am when Macedonia Phil jumps into a conversation and actually knows he like he knows stuff? Like Taylor's son jumped well, in. Plus, I, I question it at first, and then I have to sift through. You have to look it up. Is sure. he telling the truth? Yeah. Because he, he rambles all over the place. But most of the time, he's got the most accurate. He's, he's actually telling the truth. I yeah, know. He's got yeah. accurate information. The performance was on September 4th, 2022. <laughs> But he's he is looking at the computer. <laughs> I know, but he still got it. I know it's it's great. I mean, plus what's funny about it is, no, I really do not like the Foo Fighters music. But yet he knows that. <laughs> but I know everything about him, right? Well, I know. It's like I remember one of the. Uh, well, I remember getting into a fight with Danielle, one of the uh, nine million, and it was early in our relationship, very early on, and I was playing Tom Petty in the car, and she goes, "I hate Tom Petty. Enough with the Tom Petty." And I'm like, wow. "Wait a second, you hate Tom Petty?" Yesterday, Free Fall came on in the car. You were singing along. And then I went over about 19 Tom Petty songs. She goes, well, I like that one, I too. I like that. I like yeah. that. I go, so, wait, so, so you like legitimately about 15 Tom Petty songs, but you hate them. <laughs> she goes, all right, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Tom Petty, I hate him. So maybe you don't hate the uh, Foo Fighters, uh, Phil. I, I think I've listened to enough of their music. I don't, all right, hate's maybe a strong word. I just don't yeah. like their music very much. You know, there's a uh, conversation going out in the newsroom right now between Noam Layden, who, of course, is our news director, also does Noam Nuggets and the live news on this program, and the boss, Chad Lopez. I can only imagine what these two are discussing. What do you think it is? They're probably talking about your outfit choice today. Yeah, say, look, he's not wearing a blazer. He's not. They're, no. They're I went casual Friday, sweatshirt and jeans, and, I, you know, every day it's either, usually it's a blazer 99% of the time. I wear a nice sweater. Joseph Aboud cashmere sweater every now and then. Uh, but today, just slummed it, man. Sweatshirt. It's a cop sweatshirt. 
and I got pen all over it. You know, there's not one damn day I go home from this place without pen all over my hands. Does every pen in this place bleed every single day? Every one? Do you just happen to get the trick pens? I'm like, a, I'm like Gabriel. After arts and crafts, every day I've got pen in my hand. And I shower nine times a day. Because well, if God forbid I make yeah. a duty, I've got to shower right away. Because <laughs> I can't have a dirty butt. And uh, I still have pen all over my fingers. That's better than having it on your butt. I guess. Phil doesn't care. He walks around with a stinky ass all day. Am I right, Phil? He's listening to the Foo Fighters <laughs> yeah. right now. Phil, what, uh, what is Chad and Noam talking about? Go out there and uh, interview the boss and the news leader. <laughs> Find out what the hell's going on out there. I'm getting there, nervous. It's a very serious conversation. Yeah. Noam said yesterday that this is his favorite show in the history of radio. But there's no way he'll tell Chad that. And I always go, no, will you tell Chad that? He's like, I will. I will. But he never says a damn word. Never. Why never. wouldn't he tell Chad that? I don't know. I think he just, you know what it is? He, want, he, uh, he wants me to get away from him. So he says what, he wa- what I want to hear. And then no, he, that's not true at all, by the way. Which part? I, I've always been honest with you about when you ask me a question. No, no. You always say to me how much you love the show. I do. But you never tell Chad that. He's the boss. Ch- he's standing he's, right okay, there. Okay, Chad, I love the show. Oh, God. Wait, go ahead. I feel like by I'm forced. Way, by the way, Sid, he doesn't have to tell me that. You tell me every day. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. You know, I think Chad started this. Often somebody will say, don't worry. If you think Sid is great, he'll tell you. He'll be the first one to tell you. I think <laughs> no, Chad no, actually no, started that. No, well, Danielle, no, I don't know. But I- you know we love you, Sid. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's in a good mood. It's a Friday morning. Chad looks very, very handsome. And uh, Noam has been doing a tremendous job on this show. Really, it's great to have Noam back. In fact... I actually spoke at our sales meeting a couple of days ago, which is a, I have to say, I've been in radio for 25 years, and I just spoke to Chris Olivero yesterday. My man Chris runs 1010 Wins, WFAN, all the major stations here in New York outside of this one, and he was listening to us at 8 o'clock yesterday because he made a point about the Chris Cuomo slash Whoopi Goldberg segment I did at 8 o'clock. He was not listening to Boomer and Geo, his own show. He was listening to me. So I've been uh, on the major stations, but uh, Chad puts together a sales meeting every Wednesday. And even John Katzmatidis came down this week. And every major department head speaks social media, marketing, programming. And it's absolutely fascinating. It really is. You learn a lot. You guys should really come in once in a while because, especially you, Phil, you'll learn a lot about radio. What works, what doesn't work, whether it's a podcast, a radio show, advertising, and I try to go every week, and this week I actually spoke on behalf of Noam Layden and said nice things about him. I was forced to do it, of course, but... Right, you don't have anything really nice to not say. Not really, no. I, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the meeting was great, and then Noam spoke, actually, and didn't even thank me. Don't... Oh, Chaddy, I know, buddy, I know. No, it's a great meeting, and Chad does a great job. Yeah. Do you want me to start each time the sales meeting by thanking you? Because I can. Well, let me ask you an honest right. question. Mm-hmm. Of everything you do at this station, right. and you do a, a tremendous job running the news department, right. whatever you do, only God knows. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what We're is the best, part, the best part of your job is being here with me in the morning? Is that unfair? Is that unfair? Not unfair at all. Okay. I, I, will, I will say this. There's a tie. I love doing that 5 to 6 o'clock hour. Yes. It's an enormous amount of fun for me because yeah, I get to craft it and put it together. And that's But yours. equally amount of fun is working with you. Well, that's yours, right? right? So I understand why that would be exciting. That's yours. Right. But uh, after that, it, it comes to this. Nope. Once I leave at 10 o'clock the rest of your day, eh. It is downhill, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good answer. Oh, God. Honest. So we have all this political news to get to. Again, Curtis Sliwa, Judge Jeanine Pirro, Lester Chang, Anthony Scaramucci, Michael Goodwin all stopping by. But there was major news yesterday in the entertainment world, which Noam did cover between 5 and 6. 
and that was Ryan Seacrest is out. Uh, by his own accord, of course, he decided to leave live with my dear friend Kelly Rippon, if you folks don't know this. Well, this was so great. My book, my second book, Citizens United, came out in September. Yes, I'm talking about myself. It's a talk show. That's why I get the big money, morons. Not sitting here and talking about Donald Trump and Eric Adams all day. I'm talking about myself. So my book came out, and uh, that goes to uh, everybody out there. Yeah, whole sales department. All yes, you guys yeah, be quiet. Listen. Exactly. You don't like it? Go Learn. advertise on uh, God Learn. knows what. <laughs> Go to Len Berman and Michael Riedel. Have fun with that. Yeah, have fun with that. So, uh, so my book comes out, and, and of all people, this is unbelievable, Kelly Ripper, who, of course, is on live, and that's Channel 7. They've got The View and all these America-hating, Trump-hating, horrible people. And they hate me, of course. She actually comes on this show to promote her book. I tell her I got my book out as well. She promises to promote my book on her show. And you remember that Monday morning, we on the air for three hours, 9 a.m. comes, and sure enough, Kelly and Ryan start the show, and right there in view of everybody is my book on the table. And about three minutes in that morning, Kelly Ripper did exactly what she promised she was going to do, and she held the book up and showed it to the national audience which was amazing. We were going nuts here. So yesterday, Ryan Seacrest says, I'm out. I'm done. And a lot of folks are trying to figure out why that would be the case after a very successful six-year run. So let's go back to that wonderful morning in September. (laughs) When, When Kelly Ripper on live actually showed my book, my second book, my first one, You're Wrong and You're Ugly. You can still buy it today. Amazon, Barnes & Noble wrote that in 2010. My second book, Citizens United, which came out in 2022. Here is Kelly Ripper on a September morning, not that long ago, promoting my book. I spoke to a, a, a radio broadcaster famous here in New York, WABC, Sid Rosenberg, who I had not ever spoken Don't to interview before. Him. And we used to work in the same building, and I was like, how is not it true. possible no. we've never even bumped into <laughs> no. each other? Like, when I worked at All My Children, that's where that broadcast center is. And I was like, how have we never spoken to each other before? Anyway, he too has written a book, and he was giving my book such props, and I said, you know, I'm going to give your book. I'll give it a plug on my show. Because I have a talk show. Yeah, you got a show. You're not the only one. This is like a radio show on TV, right? In fairness, I have not read his book yet. Because I just got it this morning. (laughs) Because I ordered it on Amazon. Because I went to the bookstore. It wasn't there. So I had to order it. So it just came this morning. I'm so grateful to have it. But it's called Citizens United. And I promised him I would hold it up on the air. And I will read it. But I haven't read it yet. Um... Uh, and I think it's a lot of from Audrey was trying to read it quickly backstage. She said you're trying to read the whole book backstage. Well, <laughs> it, Audrey's a fast reader, and I was like, I, I haven't read it yet. I just got it this morning. I literally opened you? the box. So she said that it's uh, uh, you, you said that it's his life story with sports and like wellness and fitness, pop culture references. And his opinion on everything. Yes. Unvarnished okay. opinion. Unvarnished opinion. Okay, good. Okay, good. Well, I will let you know about it after I read it. So she says, the producer, rolling her eyes as she says it, unvarnished opinion, clearly despises me. Now, during this whole 96 seconds that Kelly is doing this, Ryan Seacrest literally folds his arms, 
puts his chair back, leans up, and starts looking at the sky, rolling his eyes. So here's Kelly, all enthusiastic, and her producer and her co-host, Seacrest, know who I am and hate me. So I am convinced, and no one's going to tell me differently, (laughs) that that morning in September when Kelly Ripper put my book up and showed it to a national audience, a book that says nice things about Donald Trump, I am convinced it was that day that Ryan Seacrest gave his notice. <laughs> I got to get out of here. And well, if you see his face in the back while she's doing it, it's kind of like a, it wouldn't be like that bad of a, a guess as to why. Right. He, mean, he, why not? He, he, looked, he looked very uh, PO'd with the, with the whole you know, was, book being held up. He, he was disapproved. He was yeah. literally angry. So then yesterday he actually made the official statement. But again, I'm convinced it all went down that morning. This was Ryan Seacrest yesterday telling America, I'm out. I made the decision to make this my last season as co-host with Kel here on Live with Kelly and Ryan, which is bittersweet. The greatest part of this entire experience has been that you've gone from being a, f- a friend to a family member. I feel that you are, way. You are I, I feel that way about both of us. Um, I look up to you. I, I respect you so much. I love the fact that we get a chance to sit here every day and connect with you at home in your kitchens, in your living rooms, at work. There's nothing like this on television. I'm getting emotional. I promised Kelly I would not cry. (laughs) Three turned into six because of the genuine fun of being on this television show every hour of every weekday. I love you so much. So how many people are in your cars right now listening to this and have this really strong compulsion to punch Ryan Seacrest across the face? How many? Hands. There's one, two, no, three. Okay. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I always want to punch. I love guys. you. This guy spent a lot of time in the back seat of Merv Griffin's car. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Hold the book up. <laughs> now you're not going to get that on Berman and Weedell either, but uh, that's why we're number one. Anyway, we got a huge show coming up today once again. Curtis Sliwa starts our guest coming up at 7:05 out of Brooklyn. The great Lester Chang. They tried to get rid of him, the Democrats. Didn't work. He'll be here at 7.40. Oh, I love this lady. Judge Jeanine Pirro coming up at 8.40. New York Post columnist, one of the all-time greats, Michael Goodwin, coming up at 9.05. Anthony Scaramucci. He's everywhere today. Page 6 all over the country for his Chris Cuomo interview. He'll be here at 9.25. We'll play Sid's Take at 9.40. It's a huge Friday edition of the Nielsen-rated number one news talk show in New York City and the self-proclaimed best talk show anywhere in America. That's me, that's us, sitting friends in the morning. Only right here with the Foo Fighters at Wembley, Talk Radio 77, WABC.
I've been hearing a lot about Lang Insurance. They sell luxury home insurance to high net worth individuals in all 50 states. Call Kevin Lang at Lang Insurance. Call 866-964-4434. He's an expert in reviewing your current coverage to save you money, leaving you with your current insurance company or moving you to a less expensive one. Kevin speaks with every new client. Your call, they quote, you save. That's 866-964-4434 or visit Lang ins.com this is sid and friends in the morning 77 wabc My beautiful wife, Danielle, who hates Tom Petty, but she loves Tom Petty, so. I guess she feels the same way about me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, nah, never mind. Yeah. We have to have this Rush Limbaugh discussion, me and Lou, because 27 minutes in, I've counted. Lou has now laughed at something I've said four times, four, in 27 minutes. What are you, are you keeping track? I'm keeping track because it goes back to what you and I talked about before the show, and We'll get to that coming up uh, in a little bit. But if you get today's New York Post, the front page, big deal, is a picture of uh, Don Lemon. He's now the morning host, has been for quite some time on CNN with uh, these two ladies. I don't know who they are. Uh, uh, one is called uh, Poppy Harlow, and the other one is, um, well, I don't know who the other one is. They don't, they don't say it. It doesn't matter, yeah. But if she looks familiar but Pop- yeah i've seen her before poppy harlow's been on cnn for, for a, while. a long time yeah so they're all hacks you know i mean the worst <laughs> network ever chris Cuomo wanted to kill himself after after <laughs> cnn got rid of him i mean really and then he listened to them and then he really wanted to kill himself is that right no of course like this is what i've been on <laughs> exactly <laughs> like that's why you're depressed that should have been the best day of your yeah. life yeah, right. you dumb bastard anyway so lemon you know, he got in trouble a couple of weeks ago, this uh, Don Lemon. And uh, we've never been big fans on this show, Bernard, God rest his soul. And I am coming live to you this morning from the Bernard McGurk Studios here at ABC. Bernie and I used to go off on Don Lemon all the time because he was a race baiter. He would go out of his way to protect and defend African-American people, even if they were entirely in the wrong. Boy, I'm getting tired of that. I didn't defend Ben Roethlisberger in Lake Tahoe, white quarterback. But Lemon's one of those guys who would say, like, if Michael Vick, for example, got arrested for uh, dog stuff, he would go, well, that's, that's how he grew up. Don't blame him. That's Don Lemon. He'll always find a way to make an excuse for an African-American person. And that's part of the issue with where we are today is that people don't treat other people equally, but yet they claim and scream that's the way it should be. And Lemon is the worst. He's one of the biggest hypocrites in the history of television. Not as bad as Joy Reid on MSNBC. She's just a flat-out racist, and I'm starting to think Whoopi Goldberg is the same, just a flat-out racist. I actually got back to my hotel room early yesterday, and the view was on. I guess I had left Channel 7 on from the night before. She was wearing some stupid shirt. I don't even know. 
Uh, Phil, when he gets back, he'll tell you what it said. But, man, Whoopi Goldberg, she is um, – it's becoming rougher and rougher every day. Every day. So Lemon, on the cover of today's New York Post, it reads this. <laughs> CNN most busted name in news. Lemon squeezed. CNN boss – don't know who that is because Jeff Zucker is now gone. But CNN boss is not happy – after Don goes on a sexist rant against Nikki Haley. Now, you all know, of course, Nikki Haley, out of the great state of South Carolina, announced just a couple of days ago that she's running for president on the Republican side. Whoopi Goldberg gave her a beating on The View yesterday and said, I used to like Nikki, but she's gone crazy. Why has she gone crazy, Whoopi? Because she's on the right side of things? What's crazy about Nikki Haley? So it started with Whoopi, black host on The View. Here comes Don Lemon. Same thing, going after Nikki Haley. But this one was not about black or white, Republican or Democrat. This was about gender. They called it sexist. And if you missed it, this was Don Lemon on CNN criticizing the newest Republican candidate for president in 2024, Nikki Haley. This whole talk about AIDS makes me uncomfortable. I think that... I think it's the wrong road to go down. She says people, you know, politicians or something are not in their prime. Nikki Haley isn't in her prime. Sorry. When a woman is considered to be in her prime in her 20s and 30s and maybe 40s. What do you talk about? That's not according to me. Prime for what? Uh, it depends. I mean, it's just like prime. Oh. If you look it up, it'll. If you look, if you Google oh. when is a woman in her prime, it'll say twenties, thirties, and forties. I don't necessarily. 40s. Oh, I got another I'm not decade. saying I agree with that. So I think she has to be careful about saying that. Well, you know, politicians aren't in their I think prime. You need, need to qualify. To are you talking about prime for like childbearing, or are you talking about prime for being president? What the facts are? Google facts. It, everybody at home. When is a woman in her prime? It says twenties, thirties, and forties. And I'm just saying Nikki Haley should be careful about saying that politicians are not. Not in their prime, and they need to be in their prime when they serve, because she wouldn't be in her prime, according to Google, you know, Google or whatever it is. <laughs> now, let me explain this to you. <laughs> that worked. <laughs> and those girls hate him, by the way. The other ladies hate his guts. There have been stories the last month and a half, time and time again, they've had private meetings because they feel like he talks down to them. He tries to take over. He humiliates them. So they're sitting there kind of giggling, going, you, you sexist son of a bitch. Now, let me explain something to you. If I say something like that while still awful, it's okay because I'm just a radio host. Some call me a shock jock, all that nonsense, fine. But if I say it, it's almost expected on a show like this because we tend to be over the top, hyperbole and and exaggerating, things like that, even sexist now and then. (laughs) You know, we're kidding around, obviously, but you almost expect that from a zany morning radio show. Don Lemon on CNN can't say that. Can't say it. Whether he's he's quoting somebody else, he doesn't mean it, he didn't say it. So before you start saying, well, Sid, what about when you call girls fat? Well, I can do that. And I can say that girl shouldn't be on TV because she's not good looking anymore. I can say that. That's what that's what that's what these shows are about. But news shows, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, they don't have the same Latitude that we've got. Is that fair to say, good, Lewis? A great, good word you used. Thank good you. word, latitude. Yeah, and, um, I'm not sure what it means. Yeah, Google it. <laughs> so uh, he should be fired because he's a jerk and he's a racist and he's a misogynist and he's he's just all he's everything wrong, everything wrong with society and television today, and he needs to go. 
He needs to go. Whoopi Goldberg needs to go. Joy Reid needs to go. And they're all black, obviously. So does, um, what is her, uh, Joy Behar needs to go. She's white. They got to go. I can't help that. I mean, I am just uh, things that we have Googled in the past. I mean, that you could say something about prime. Now, prime could be beef. Prime could be. I mean, I'm I'm in my prime right now for being annoying. That's an annoying. uh, That's an annoying uh, prime. I I would say so. You have to take things uh, in in the uh, gist of what they are said. And I don't like as Joe Biden would probably say. Um, you know, uh, uh, Jack, I'm in my prime. Yeah, Jack, watch me. <laughs> Jack. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, whatever, uh, whatever, uh, whatever she said. She said. Don yeah. Lemon's got to go, folks. That's the bottom line. Traffic is coming up next. Right now, we'll get to Joe Biden here momentarily. He spoke again yesterday on the whole Chinese balloon thing. He literally walked out of the press conference. Somebody was asking him a question. He got all pissed off and he walked out. Traffic is coming up next. Right now, it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Get the whole story in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Today's minicast is from the Dominic Carter Show. We love Dominic. Here, Dominic talks about how homeless people are allowed to sleep in Chicago's O'Hare Airport. This is disgusting. And the mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, should be ashamed of herself. Why do people want the job and then get the job and don't want to do anything? I don't understand the logic. So Chicago's O'Hare Airport. And if you travel through there like I do quite a bit, get ready to see homeless people sleeping at the airport. And as usual, the politicians are doing absolutely nothing about it entertaining and informative this is sit in friends in the morning 77 wabc Lynn Hart tells me that Don Lemon has the, quote, day off today. I'm not sure he had the day off at this time yesterday, but based on the New York Post headline and once again his sexist rant about my good friend Nikki Haley running for president, Don Lemon now has the, quote, day off today and quite frankly, he's the day off every day.
is to go out there and uh, start some group, do something. I don't know. Get them out. Get them out. So this is a um, a sad day in that Tim McCarver died yesterday. I know Timmy for a very, very long time. He did my shows in New York and Miami for many, many, many years. If you don't know who Tim McCarver is or was, he was a, a really good baseball player. He grew up in the St. Louis Cardinal organization and spent 1959 through 1969 with the St. Louis Cardinals. Was a part of two World Series winning teams, including that epic seven-game series where the Cardinals beat the Yankees in 1964 and the seven-game series, also epic, when they beat the Red Sox in 1967, the year I was born. And he caught guys like Steve Carlton. And, oh, yeah, you may have heard of this guy, Bob Gibson. Andrew Giuliani, Bob Gibson, not Mike Trout, in uh, St. Louis during those years. And then he went to the Philadelphia Phillies, had an, an epic 11-year career there, too, between 70 and 80. I think he's on that 80 World Series team with Pete Rose and Carlton. I think he did. At any rate, he, uh, he caught some great pitchers along the way, 20-plus years in Major League Baseball, and then went on to become one of the most famous baseball announcers ever. In fact, he spent 16 years between 1983 and 1998 doing Met games. He also did the Yanks, Tim McCarver. He did the Mets and the Yankees, and, of course, he did the National stuff on Fox as well. He is and was a baseball guy. He was on that 80 team. He was, right? Okay, yeah. I thought have, so. That was have, his last year. They have him listed in, uh, as an infielder, actually. I don't know. That's weird. He was yeah. a catcher. But... Well, Boone. Was Boone. Bob Keith, Boone. Keith Moreland. Oh, they had Keith Morland, too, the Cub. Yeah. Yeah. Ozzie Virgil and Don McCormick, but they have him listed in the infield section. Okay. Rose Schmidt, Del Unser. That was some team. Oh, my God. Wow. Del Unser. Yeah, the Phillies got Unser from the Mets, I think, in a trade that sent Pepe Manguel to New York. Oh. I believe so. Yeah, that's right. He was on the Mets. He was, Del Unser, yes. So, um, Timmy died yesterday. Timmy used to annoy people. Because he approached his announcing like he was talking to people who never watched the game before. So somebody would bunt in the second inning, and four innings later, McCarver would still be explaining why that bunt made sense. If you go back to the fourth inning, (laughs) the reason why right now St. Louis has the lead. Now we have to go back to that bunt. Remember, we talked about it. That's why they have a 3-2 lead right now and can afford to make us pitching change. And the Met fans would go nuts. Hey, Timmy, we've watched baseball before. You made the point four innings ago, it's okay. So he did tend to treat the audience like they never watched baseball before. That was the one rub against McCarver. But he had a good sense of humor. He was around the all-time greats. Like you said, Rose, Schmidt, Gibson, on and on. Very likable. Very likable guy. Yeah. And I loved him. He was on my shows all the time, and I'm going to miss Tim McCarver, who again died yesterday. But another luminary all-time great. Died on this date two years ago, and that is Rush Limbaugh. You know, uh, Bob Corcinelli ran for office on Long Island. He ran against Andrew Garbarino. He lost, but I love Bobby. He's a uh, veteran. Thank you for your service, Bob. And he uh, Instagrams me just about every day, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney. He's friends with Giuliani, Joe the Box, all these guys. Loves his show. And he was saying last week that... He believes that I am the second best radio host he's ever heard behind Rush Limbaugh. And the people started arguing, well, wait a second. Sid's more entertaining. Rush was kind of boring. 
Rush did the political stuff, but that was it. And, you know, and, and Bob didn't fight back. So this morning I go to Lewis. Well, before I get to Lewis's opinion, let's get some audio on the death of the great Rush Limbaugh. We call it Mitty's great. I, whether you got him first or fifth or tenth, I think we can, but maybe Lewis can. So two <laughs> years ago today he dies. Here is the special report on Fox News. Rush Limbaugh dead at the age of 72 years ago today. This would be uh, cut number six, Lewis. Breaking news as we have learned that longtime conservative radio host Rush Limbaugh has died after a battle with stage four lung cancer. He is, of course, most famous for his long running radio show, The Rush Limbaugh Show, which has been on the air nationwide since 1988. Rush Limbaugh was 70 years old. Arguably the most influential talk show host in the history of radio. You're next on the Rush Limbaugh program. His daily program, heard by an estimated 20 million listeners each day and broadcast on more than 650 affiliates, made him one of the most well-known voices for grassroots conservatives. I think people listen to the radio for three reasons. To be entertained, to be entertained, and to be entertained. So you may remember back in 2020, the president at the time, the guy that I missed dearly and hope wins again in 2024, my good friend Donald Trump, actually introduced Rush Limbaugh to the chamber at the State of the Union address not long before Rush Limbaugh actually died. Here it is at the State of the Union, President Trump giving Rush Limbaugh the Medal of Freedom, cut number seven. Almost every American family knows the pain when a loved one is diagnosed with a serious illness. Here tonight is a special man, beloved by millions of Americans, who just received a stage four advanced cancer diagnosis. This is not good news, but what is good news is that he is the greatest fighter and winner that you will ever meet. Rush Limbaugh, thank you for your decades of tireless devotion to our country. And Rush, in recognition of all that you have done for our nation, the millions of people a day that you speak to and that you inspire, and all of the incredible work that you have done for charity, I am proud to announce tonight that you will be receiving our country's highest civilian honor, the Presidential Medal of Freedom. So, listen. I get accused of being arrogant, brash, obnoxious, talk way too much about myself all the time. I am not nearly bad as I am. I'm not nearly that arrogant to compare myself to Rush Limbaugh, not because I think he had more talent than I've got. I don't believe anybody outside of Howard Stern ever has, ever. I really mean that. It might sound crazy to you. I don't care. But certainly his influence, his career, Millions and millions and millions of Republicans and conservatives loved and revered him and still do. And I'm nowhere near that. I get all that. But I still asked Lou Rafino, you know why I ask Lou these questions? Because whether you like Dimas or not, the truth is when they write the book, it's already written, they'll write it again. The greatest radio host of all time. Imus is right there. Stern, Rush Limbaugh, Imus is right there. Some We'll say Imus was better than Rush because he was more diverse, discussed more things, was more entertaining, was funnier. He's right there. And Lou ran the board for Imus for how many years, Lewis? I think just short 
of 30 years. 30 years. And not only ran the board, but was a huge part of our on-air ensemble, at least when I was there. And I did I Miss on and off, believe it or not, for 18 years. I started with Don in 2000. It was a five-year daily run before I got fired in 2005, came back in 2007, was there for the whole Rutgers incident, way up, uh, came back to WABC. He got rid of Warner Wolf, hired me again, right up until the day he died. So 18 years on and off with Don, and Lou was a major part what happened behind the scenes and certainly on the air. Lou, Bernie, me, all of us. So Lou knows about great radio. I said to Lou this morning, I go, Rush Limbaugh died, and um, did you love him? And, and Lou's response, shocking to me, was no. Lou, tell everybody how you felt about Rush Limbaugh. Well, I, 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 no, I didn't love him. Yeah, you didn't even like him. Not, well. I don't mean personally. I mean his, his style, his show. You said, if I could use this word, you said he was boring. Right. What you just heard, somebody, was some was it Corcinelli or somebody? Who tells yeah. you that? Bob some, Corcinelli. He yeah. is boring. I don't, I well, don't, Corcinelli didn't say that. Corcinelli said, I'm second to him because what happens is, see, people don't rate people necessarily on their entertainment value. Right? So if you say what they want to hear, Bernie was great at this. He would come on, talk about Trump. People loved him. Right? It didn't matter. You know, he, he, Bernie was... Ten times funnier, God rest his soul, with Imus than he was with me for six years. You notice when Bernard passed away and we had all these wonderful tributes, there was nothing from Bernie and Sid. It was all the Cardinal on Imus. From right. Man on the Street on, on the Imus. Street, the man, right. Yes. He came here, and I love him, and we, we did great together. We had a great show, but he became a political animal. Every day was the same thing. I love Trump. I hate this guy. Um, and people loved it. So they equate that with being a great radio host. And the truth is, Bernie was great, but not because of that. You don't become great because, hey, you agree with me. That's not, that's not great. Great is somebody that keeps the audience entertained, provokes thought, compelling, you know, unpredictable. Funny. That's great. Funny. Funny. Right. Not, hey, he says what I say, he's great. No, you moron. No. It's nice. It's fun to have somebody who agrees with you. That doesn't make that person great. So Limbaugh... Said all the things, but he was also funny, wasn't he? Well, Rush, yeah, he actually put he would put together his little comedy bits to uh, uh, fill some time actually on his network because Rush, yeah. I went over there to to actually a job I I might have gotten was to fill in as an engineer for that, and it was it was like launching nuclear missiles. It was too. I like why is this so complicated? Yeah. First of all, because he's in Florida. And the studios were up here in New York, so it was a whole big connection. Blah, 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 blah. He was in Palm Beach, right? Yeah, uh, right. yes. So he actually had, uh, what's his name, did some, was it, no, Goodstein actually worked with Mark Levin. So I go to Lou, I go, well, wait a second, if Rush Limbaugh bored you, and you didn't find him to be all that good, you know, I'm just curious what your hierarchy of radio. Okay, uh, well, I, I'm saying, if, boring to me, because I don't understand how you could listen to that for an hour. I, I challenge anybody, if you wanted to listen to him for an hour. Could you listen and say, like, wow, this is so great. I no, can't turn, I, I can't, couldn't do it. I can't turn it off. That's when you no, know. No, I, I, listen, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. That, I mean, that's why you're perfect for this show, and you're on record now saying the last couple of months you love doing this show lately because it's unpredictable. You want to laugh. You don't know what the hell I'm going to talk about. Neither do I. No, well, but you know every day what Sean Hannity and Rush Limbaugh and all exactly, these guys are going to talk about. Exactly. It's a gumball machine. That's it. 
That's all it, all it is. You put the coin in and like, okay, he's going to... That's why, what do you think Trump gives him? He's one of the greatest things. What is he did? What did he do for the country? I don't know what he did for the country. What did he do? He was he entertained the people who liked him. Right. That's he didn't, it. He didn't even entertain them. He just said what he they wanted to hear. hear. Exactly. Yes, I, but he didn't say anything where like, wow, this is so unbelievable. I can't shut it off. Right. He Whereas you... Francesca Russo, there's a lot of times like, wow, this is so cool. I can't wait to. This you is, can't shut and, it off. Yeah, you can't shut it off. You That's actually. Stuff, and stern. And, and stern. Yeah. You actually so, said this morning, and if I'm putting words in your mouth, feel free to correct me. Okay, I will. But you said this morning, Mr. I did the board for IMAS for 30 years. That outside of how it's turned, this is what we really have to get to. Of course, good. <laughs> maybe you didn't mean this. Maybe you're just having a good time right now. Maybe you're you're, you're kind of in the moment. But you've been around all these amazing guys, Limbaugh, Imus, all these guys, and you said this morning, and I'm going to ask you to, to tell me if you really meant it or not, that you think in terms of radio host abilities that I'm second to Stern. You actually said that. <laughs> I said, right now, let's see. I have to put you, yeah, I'm thinking, well, all I could do is say, so far I've got Stern ahead of you, and that's it. That's it. That's, that's what I said. <laughs> that's all I said. He did mumble Len Berman after that, too. Yeah. Len Berman, right. yeah. yeah right. He said, and Len Berman. Could you imagine if Imus was still alive and he heard this? That son of a gun. I gave him a job for 30 years, oh, forget and I'm he's already, picking my dopey sports announcer I'm, ahead of me. I'm already going to hear it from everybody else. Like, yeah, ungrateful Lou. He was, ungrateful Lou. I'm going to say Imus, millions of miles ahead of Rush Limbaugh. Ahead of Rush. And entertainment. Right. And so, so funny and, you see, and, and, and he's smart. You're, and I, you're I think very he's consistent. One of the greats. He is absolutely, and I was lucky to work for him. You're one, see, you're very consistent when you put people like me, Stern Imus, in one category, Rush Limbaugh in another category. You're being consistent. It's clear what you like to hear on radio, to be honest. It's, it's, it's clear what you like. It's, I can't turn it off. That's yeah. what I go on. Couldn't turn him. I like, oh my God, I'm going to fall asleep. Are yeah. you kidding me? No. I mean, no. I, I could never imagine Macedonia Phil listening to it's real not, political. Not, not my cup of tea. No. This is what it is. I, I don't listen to stuff that I don't want to listen to. So. Yeah. I wouldn't like Rush. You wouldn't like him? I, I, I don't think he's – that's not the same thing as saying I don't think he's a talented radio host. Right. I just, obviously, he is. If you manage right. to get two, millions of people listening to him every day, it's just not something that I would want to listen well, to. But, but, but why do you equate that with – in other words, the, the Kardashian show, which I happen to like. Okay, I'm one of the morons. Yes, I'm a moron that watches the Kardashians every week. Um, but no one's going to confuse that with great television, but millions of people watch it. So why do you equate somebody being good? Enough? In other words, successful, yes. If you've got 2 million listeners, you're clearly successful. Does that mean you're great? No. Because somebody agrees with you, does that mean you're great? No. That's there, there, these are different arguments. But no one, has the, no one can understand the nuance between the two. He may have been great. He may have been the greatest of all time. I like Rush. He may have been the greatest of all time, but audience does not equate to greatness necessarily. It certainly equates to popularity, but maybe not greatness. Joe Rogan, for example, his podcast gets a billion listeners. That's the most boring thing I've ever heard in my whole life. Yeah, it's a snooze. It's brutal, but billions of people listen. Does that mean he's great or that most people are just stupid? Megaditto said we'll have to discuss that later on, Macedonia. <laughs> Phil, we'll get back to you. Childhood friends and the dreams we had. We lived happily forever. So the story goes. But somehow we missed out. 
Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. A Monday warrior, mean, mean stride. Today's Tom Sawyer, mean, mean pride. This is how I miss started his show every morning with this song, Tom Sawyer by Rush. So before we get to Curtis here, Fox News reporting right now, Ainsley and uh, Steve and Peter Ducey and Brian Kilmeade, Ill Hobby Club fears its project was shot down. So Biden was saying yesterday that all these things were shooting down. We're not even sure if it's the Chinese. I mean, I think it is, but Biden is saying we don't know. And now it turns out there's some club that fears its project was shot down so Biden made the point yesterday, he made a couple of points. We'll get to all the Biden cuts later. But he made the point that he's not even sure all these things were shooting down unnecessarily from the Chinese. And even though, you know, we compete with them, we don't want to have a big conflict with them. Oh, he's such a pussy. Anyway, here's uh, Joe Biden, cut number 19. Now, we'll also continue to engage with China, as we have throughout the past two weeks. As I've said since the beginning of my administration, we seek competition, not conflict with China. We're not looking for a new Cold War. But I make no apologize. I make no apologies, <laughs> and we will compete. And we'll, be res- we'll responsibly manage that competition so that it doesn't veer into conflict. You had a tough time at the end of that, but you got his point. So we'll get to more of the Biden stuff uh, coming up again. Great guest list today. Lester Chang out of Brooklyn. He'll join us at 740. Judge Jeanine Pirro coming up at 840. Michael Goodwin, New York Post, 905. Anthony Scaramucci, 925. Norm's Nuggets coming up at 825. But we put this time aside three times a week now at 705 on a Friday morning. For the man that man's 12 to 1, gets great ratings every day. And then, of course, also gets great ratings overnights on the weekends. And that is uh, Curtis Sliwa, who Bo Deedle yesterday uh, called a liar time and time again. Uh, maybe not a liar, but uh, certainly said that Curtis's facts are anything but facts. It was a great 16 minutes out of Bo Deedle. And uh, he he ripped you into shreds, uh, Curtis. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll put that aside because he's just a supporting actor. We're going, we're going for the entrees here, not the hors d'oeuvres. He's just an hors d'oeuvre that you left on the plate. Yeah. Uh, did you say you're going to have Gordon Chang on again? No, to say, no Lester oh, Chang. It's an actor war. It's an actor war. Some freaking balloon from a used car dealership. It's an actor war. You wanted to have him on again, right? I actually said to Phil, I said, I want to do one day next week where we bring on all the Changs. Michael Chang, former tennis player. Lester Chang, Brooklyn politician. Gordon Chang on Asia. Anybody named Chang gets a go one day next week. But what you just said was racist because you, you actually, are you saying that all Changs are the same? Gordon, no, Lester? No, no, but Gordon <laughs> Chang. It's an actor war. Let's go to war against Red yeah. China. Come on. Enough of this nonsense. And I'm surprised you don't have your very dear friend, um, Peter King, uh, the guy responsible for George Santos being a stain on the Republican Party. What? Of course, what? in Peter Nassau King? County GOP put him up there. Okay, so then go blame Joe Cairo. Oh, excuse me, but who is the spokesperson? Uh, Peter King, by the way. And by the way, I see you're going <laughs> to have that pump and dump scam master, Scarmucci, on Mr. FTX. 
Could you ask him, when are we going to get back to $32 billion that boy FTX, the uh, the uh, scammer of all time, worse than Bernie Madoff, ripped off from everybody out there? Would you ask him that question, huh? I can answer the question right now. We're never getting it back. And by the way, this, <laughs> this idolatry, well, well, Lou had to pass a loyalty test so you would fire him after the show. <laughs> First, there's Rush Limbaugh, and then there's Sid Rosenberg. No, 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 no. no. According to Lewis... First, there's Howard Stern, then there's Sid Rosenberg, Rush Limbaugh, Please. while Lou admitted was successful, Please. said not nearly as entertaining as I am, and he's right. Please. Uh, meantime, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, meantime, uh, 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 the woman uh, in his life was texting him saying, you know, you need job security <laughs> here, Lou. Just say whatever this guy, this peacock, wants to hear. I knew Rush Limbaugh. You. Oh, no, Rush Limbaugh. Oh, no, don't do this. But you can every learn. No, no, every, no, you can every, learn something from Every him. time you do this, Bo says you didn't know that person. Are you kidding? We Patty were side Pesto, by Wait yeah. a second. We were at WABC, the old WABC, before he moved to Palm Beach. Let me tell you one thing. Yeah. His mistake is the mistake you're making now. Before he met with Bush 41, he used to savage Bush 41, country club Republicans. They invite him to the White House, and he sleeps in the Lincoln bedroom. Biggest mistake in his life. Well, who did? Bush 41 did. No. Rush Limbaugh invited Bush 41. Before that, Limbaugh was constantly criticizing uh, Bush l- 41. Let me stop you right now. I see what's happening here. So you're making the analogy yes. where Rush was honest about 41. Then they started a personal relationship. Choking him. Right. And so you're going to make that analogy. I know how you think. To me and Mayor Eric Adams. Absolutely. <laughs> you were at your best when you were on his jockstrap. Look, up in Albany, he had his tail to his legs again. He had his tin cup out. He Wait, never but but once, I said that, but I admitted that. He never once mentioned bail reform, and he turned his back on black kids by not opting for charter schools. Even Kathy Crime Wave Hoko said, hey, New York City could use 69 more charter schools. What did your friend Eric Adams say? Oh, no, that'll cost a billion dollars. Meantime, he's giving $4 billion <laughs> to the illegal aliens. Wait a second. First of all... You got to give me credit because I did criticize Mayor Eric Adams about that. I said, hey, Eric, which side are you on? One day you want charter schools. The next day, at the very, at the very at best, you're tepid about it. Now you're claiming it's going to cost us a billion dollars. We know that's not true. We've got schools that are missing 20% of their students. We can use those schools. You don't cost all that money till 15 years down the road when all the new charter schools are built. And so I forgot. called Eric Adams out on all those and things. And you forgot Booker Boy, who escaped Poly Prep Day School. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, what kind of a week there? Oh, I went to Poly Prep Day School. Yeah. And then your parents did the right thing and turned you into a bucha boy when yeah. you went to what? Simchach Torah? Close. Solomon Schechter, Whatever. now defunct. Whatever. On Church Avenue and East 5th Street. Parochial school. And you saw Cardinal Dolan has to close 12 parochial schools in inner city neighborhoods. So we lose the charter schools. We lose the parochial schools. So here you're saying, well, Eric Adams is very concerned about young black <laughs> and brown boys and girls. Meantime, no charter schools, no parochial schools. Here, you got to go to your local public school. Are you crazy? There are gangs there. They, they read at a fifth grade level. They never escape beyond that. This social promotion. You didn't call him out. Plus, you notice he was wearing that $5,000 customized <laughs> yeah. banker well, suit well, first with all, the vest. Yeah. What, what, what was that? I did call him out. He was supposed to come on the show today. Oh, what happened? He's not on. He'll be on next week. And I was going to go at him pretty hard about what you just talked about because I already criticized Eric Adams about this the last two days. So I know you listen and you know better. I did go after Eric Adams because 
because I believe a true friendship is an honest friendship. And you can still be friends even after I criticize you, you whether you it's you or Eric Adams. You know why he didn't come on with you. His team that, yeah. finally, Team Adams finally <laughs> got across to the brother from another planet. Hey, guy, ever since you've been on with Sid, uh, your approval rating was 42%, which was decent for a mayor. Yeah. You are now at 36%, the all-time lowest approval rating of any mayor in the history of New York City. And the only change from May <laughs> to now yeah. is that you're on with Sid Rosenberg oh, well, on a regular basis. You, you say that's the only change, and I could have sworn I saw it two days ago on the cover, Curtis, of the New York Post, that all these serious crimes outside of shootings and murder, I'm talking about assault, battery, rape, robbery, all these crimes are up in big numbers. Don't you think maybe that has more to do well, with it than me see, being friends uh, with Mayor? Who assisted <laughs> him in becoming the mayor on the law and order? Oh, that's right. I heard that from Bo Dito. <laughs> oh, that's my very dear friend. He'll be a great law and order mayor. I heard that from Congressman Peter King, that Eric Adams Republican. Oh, he'll be a great mayor, right? And then finally when faced with the analytics with uh, Peter King, he said, well, you know, it's the governor, it's the legislator, it's the city council. When uh, is this man going to stand on his own? When... In the words of the great Bernard McCurt, <laughs> yeah. is he going to name and shame these people who are killing our city, huh? So right now, am I to believe, because the last thing you would ever do is exaggerate. That's not, your, that's not the way you were. Uh, am I to believe that this is a legitimate war? I hate using that word for anything outside of real war because people die. But is this a war between Curtis Sliwa and, on the other side, Bo Deedle and Peter King. Is Absolutely. it a war? Absolutely. What? One, one These thing. are two of the greatest New Yorkers ever. Before we get to that, yeah. I must concur with you since I bashed you and trashed you yeah. and uh, said your staff is, uh, is, uh, is sucking up on your talkers area for job security. <laughs> yeah. But you were absolutely right about Kelly Ripa and Ryan Seacrest. When she held up <laughs> Citizens United, he had the foulest look on his face. There is no doubt. Because remember, there was only one person who was out there promoting your book morning, noon, and night. Curtis Lee was Citizens United. Out in the street, people thought I was a crazy man. No, you did. You even you even uh, encouraged people. This was great out of you, talking about crime in New York City. If you can't afford the book, the quote was, steal go it. steal it. Yes. Right, just like you have your book. But let me mention one thing. It is a mistake. If Kelly Ripper now hooks up with her husband, Mark Consuelos. Let me just warn her. I was on one of the last shows with Kathy Lee Gifford and Frank Gifford. Is that right? Frank used to substitute for Regis Philbin. The best. The best of all time. And that was after. Uh, that was right before the expose where Frank Gifford was in the room, remember, with the stewardess? What do you mean in the room? He, he, got, got he, got, he got oral from the stewardess right. in a hotel room. That's yes. right. He got caught yes. on the video. <laughs> yeah. And that was it. Never do a show. <laughs> With your spouse. And I'll tell you why. From 1991 to 1994, Angels in the Morning, right? I was on with Lisa at that time. What happened? Remember. We got a divorce. Yes. Don't do a program with your spouse. You will end up arguing. You will have disagreements on subjects. You said, I didn't know you thought that. <laughs> that this would be a disaster. And I'm telling you. She might just might, in the back of her head, have been thinking of you, Sid, as a call. She really, <laughs> she had this fling for you. There's no doubt she did. about it. She did. She was into she me. She doesn't this. do that for anybody else. Nobody else. She was into me. She was overly enthusiastic. She did it for three days. It annoyed Ryan. It annoyed her producer. Now, but let I, me ask you a question. But I, you know, I got to tell you something. You're yeah. 100% right. Do not work with your spouse. Uh, Don't let me do, do that. That's right. Don't uh, do it. Let me give you a litmus test. If all of a sudden, yeah. the idea of Mark Consuelos with Kelly Ripa didn't work out and the producer 
producer calls you up and said, Sid, Kelly wants you. Would you give up this thing of ours, radio in the morning, WABC? But what's the, 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 everything, is everything equal? What if I get $3 million? Uh, are you like the rest of our hosts here that have radio, you know, as a side hustle here? Or when you cut your veins in arteries like me and Frank Morano, it's, do you bleed WABC radio? This I'm, is a loyalty test for you here, Sid Rosenberg. Here's my answer. I am never. Now, of course, if they offered me 2 or $3 million, I'd have to think uh, about it. But I am never leaving John and Margot Katz. Excellent, excellent. Because but they're going only... to they're gonna have to pay me, of course, what Kelly Ripa right, might have paid me. There are only three radio people here. People who live, breathe, <laughs> and eat, and Stop sleep radio. Time. That's Sid Rosenberg, Curtis Lou, and Frank Morano. Everybody else, they do it as a side hustle. <laughs> the moment TV comes calling, bye-bye, bye-bye. Well, let me ask you the same question. And, of course, it's a, it's a completely ridiculous hypothesis. But what if Kelly Ripper decided she wanted to have you as, as her co-host and they offered you $2 million? You got 16 checks that go out to wives all over the city every single month. You would not consider leaving for $2 million? Uh, it would never work out. When I went down to Camden, New Jersey, <laughs> her father uh, was one of the uh, county executives. And they asked me, Curtis, what would you do in Camden, New Jersey? I'd say, I'd tell everybody to leave and I'd drop napalm. <laughs> Uh, on Camden and then start from scratch. And he was so horrified. <laughs> Is that right? He threw me uh, out of the building. This was Kelly's father? Yes, yes. What year was this? Oh, this is uh, a while back. Uh, when she first got started with uh, Regis and then stabbed him in the back. That's true. Now, do, do you think over the years, because Bo Deedle is a New York, there's no question, he's a New York icon. You can see him at Rayo's on a Thursday night. He's become a big-time actor, decorated cop 20 years. You can't argue Bo's love in New York and his popularity. You too. Uh, right now, at this point of your lives, who is the more popular, more beloved, more important New Yorker? Both Deedle or Curtis Lee? Why don't you do a poll like you suggested, right? <laughs> Me versus uh, Bo. Let's see. I finished second to Eric Adams. When he ran for mayor, he finished sixth. And the only guy he beat was a guy who hijacked a plane and got arrested for that on felony charges. The only guy he beat. Why don't you do that? And by the way, you were in the meeting yesterday with the sales executives, with John, with everybody else. They were extolling the virtues of Cop Talk, the brand new podcast there. Episode number five has your friend Stevie Van Zandt with Ed Mamet and Kevin Schroeder. It's beating Bo Deedle's One Tough Boy podcast. Well, it's beating it. Well, whose podcast is that? You, you haven't heard Cop Talk? With your friend, Stevie Van Zandt? You don't even know that's, that's on the list of our podcasts at WABCRadio.com? All I know about that's my friend, WABC Stephen Van Zandt, all I know is that he's on the road with Springsteen. He got oh, no, COVID, no. and he missed three shows you, in Dallas. You, you have to hear this. Episode 5, Cop Talk. All right. With Stevie Van Zandt, <laughs> okay. Ed Mamet, and Kevin Schroeder, decorated police officers. And they're well ahead of your friend, <laughs> Bo Tito's One Tough Heart podcast. By the way, next time you talk to Bo, ask him, who is the guest on his first podcast, your Truly, Curtis Lee, we're talking about who? Mobsters, Joey Testa, Patty Testa, Anthony Centaur, and, of course, Roy DeMail. Why was he asking me about that on his very first podcast and agreeing with me, huh? These are very, very tough questions now for Bo Deedle. But on the way out, the one thing that he really seized on yesterday, yes. and he went over and over and over again, was a Curtis. For a guy that knows everything about Brooklyn, everything about New York, you should know, dummy, that the Gemini Lounge was not in Canarsie. It was in Flatlands. 
He made that point maybe 10 times yesterday. What about that? Oh, Troy Avenue and Flatlands Avenue, right before you hit Flatbush Avenue and you hit the area you were from, Midwood, where everybody was soft. No <laughs> hardcore guys there. Oh, excuse me. No, no, excuse but me. He, I, I live right by Madison High School. There was some tough mother oh, uppers yeah, there, okay? real tough Madison. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the schmart to punch. Chuck E. Cheese Schumer went there, right? Real tough. Bernie the Altacacus hand. Let me tell you, next time you're with Bo, Mr. 75th Precinct, East New York, right? Here's the guy. It was June 10th of 2002 on Imus when I was on WABC in the morning with Kubi. I was dancing the terror, terror, and the horror because John Gotti Sr. had died of throat cancer, went straight to hell without an asbestos suit, <laughs> and he was telling all of you, Gotti was a stand-up guy. Why don't you go to the Linwood Diner with him right on Linden Boulevard in East New York and ask him to take it to the hole in the back where Gotti buried all of his victims and ask him, Bo, you were a cop in the 75th precinct. How come you didn't make any busts since you were hanging out at the Linwood Diner with all the Gotti boys, huh? And Charlie Carniglia, who used to incinerate the victims, huh? Right on Fountain Avenue in his chop shop. You don't think I know, Bo? Hey, I know, Bo. Well, there's Ukraine, Russia, and then there's Curtis Sliwa and Bo Deedle, and I'm not sure which is a more serious He war. said, I'm never a rat. How could you be a cop and not have ratted out members of organized crime? Especially the guy who you. <laughs> Love, huh? Noon to one every weekday, overnights every weekend. He's a ratings monster, an icon, a legend, and a tremendously entertaining radio host. And we're thrilled to have him on the show a bunch of times a week. That's our good buddy Curtis Sliwa. Both threw the bombs yesterday. Curtis comes back, throws the bombs you today. you are no Rush Limbaugh, <laughs> Sid Rosenberg. We'll be right back on a Friday. Thank you, Curtis. Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. On this Friday, as you may know, three young people are dead after yet another mass shooting. This one at Michigan State University. As usual, the left-wing politicians want to crack down on guns, but not on the criminals who shoot them. Far-left Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer is demanding more gun control, even as she knows the killer who committed suicide was allowed to walk free by a progressive prosecutor whom Whitmer supported. Here is the situation. In the year 2019, Anthony McRae was arrested for illegally carrying a handgun. Instead of being charged with a felony, soft-on-crime DA Carol Seaman, a favorite of George Soros, dismissed the felony charge, which carries a five-year prison term, and accepted a misdemeanor plea from McRae. Well, the criminal walked, receiving 12 months probation if Seaman had done her elected job, McRae would still be in prison, and the three young people would be alive today. Despite that, the progressive left continues to push soft on crime policies as the body count mounts. This brutal situation has been going on far too long. Reasonable gun restrictions, okay. But violent crime will never improve unless the criminals themselves are held to account. That is the Morning O'Reilly Update. More analysis later on. This 
is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. So, Poe Dito did respond here to uh, Curtis Sliwa. Don't mess up my boy, Bo. All kidding aside, Bo is um, about as heroic and courageous and tough as they come. He was a great cop. And he's a dear friend of mine. I mean, loyal, dear friend. I, I think I talk to Bo like every day now. I think I talk to Bo every day. I see him only once a week. He's on the show twice a week, 7.40 on Tuesdays and live in Studio 905. But... Truth be told, he's uh, he's good friends with my wife, Danielle. So is his fiance, um, Margot. All right. Uh, he wants to call in fast. Well, there's no such thing as Bo Dito calling Bo. in fast. There's just no <laughs> such thing. I mean, fast. Let's time it. Yeah, Bo, call quick. I got to get to the um, clip of the day, and I have to get to um, what else? Oh, Lester Chang is coming up. I like this guy, Lester Chang. You know, he served in Afghanistan. And if you don't know the story, the, he won. He's an assemblyman in Brooklyn, and the Democrats try to screw him because he's got some apartment, some rent control apartment in Manhattan. You know who knows all about this stuff is Frank Morano. Frank's great with this. And oftentimes when I have a local guest on, and I'll admit this, I go to Frank in the morning, and I go, Frank, tell me about this person. And he knows everything. So I guess he's got this rent control apartment in Manhattan and uh, the claim was he doesn't live in Brooklyn, so he can't. He couldn't have won. And they tried to vacate that seat, but it didn't work. George Santos, uh, George Santos, ask if you will. Uh, Bo, I, I know that uh, you just heard that last segment, and I'm going to give you a couple of minutes because you're my guy. What uh, What do you want to say, Bo? Let me tell you something. Curtis couldn't answer your question because he's a freaking liar. Like he lies about everything. Here's the facts, Curtis. Put your red bonnet back on and listen to me. I locked up a guy named Jimmy Burke. Yes, Jimmy. Hold Burke. on a second. Was that, was that the character Robert De Niro played in Goodfellas? Yes. They called him Jimmy Conway? Yes. yes. Yeah, he had a bar on Leffis Boulevard. I'm sure. I used to drink in that bar. I'm sure Curtis must have been shying his shoes out front or some bull crap. Now, let me explain to Curtis. He was a member of organized crime. Remember, Goodfellas? And who was the rat, just like Curtis, who gave him up, who was my witness, was Henry Hill. And where did I lock him up, this, this little punk with his little red bonnet? I locked him up in a 7-5. And Henry Hill was the, was the witness on the two murders that were dumped in the 7-5, which I caught the cases, and I had to go to Allenwood and take up and pick up uh, Jimmy Burke. So he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about, like always. All he does is come on air. He was there, he was there. Also, when I ran for, for mayor of New York City, if you remember, first of all, none of the Republicans supported me. None of them. John never supported me, and the guy who was running New York State never supported me. Then your friend there, de Blasio, he knocked me off the Democratic line. He knocked me off the Republican line. I had no line. So this punk don't know what he's talking about, like always. He had a line. He had John in back of him. And you want to know something? If I had, if I stayed as a Republican, I could have beat de Blasio because he couldn't, he couldn't do anything at that time. But the problem here is lies. Every time I, he talks, all he talks is a good game about lies. And that's it. So I guess cop talk with Van Zandt, he's just like, 
Curtis Lee, I guess he's a wannabe cop too. Was Van Zandt a cop? He does cop talk. What does he talk about? He Van Zandt plays a, a plays a, a guitar or blows on a fiddle or something. I don't know what he does. <laughs> He's so you're telling me about Van Zam's show? I don't know. He's on satellite radio. Uh, listen, he's one of my he's one of my best friends. He really is. You know that. But all kidding aside, oh, he wants, and he wants real stories. Yeah, like the guys he has on. You know, you know, Eddie Mamet was a police captain. What did he do? I don't. I have no amnesty. He's a friend of John. Big deal. So he's got a show. You want to know something? You want to listen to true cop stories? You listen to my one tough vodka. True crime stories. That's the facts. And that's it. Or if you want to listen, Curtis, listen to make-up stories. Again, Curtis, where is the Gemini Lounge? You've been bullcrapping. Ah, Kanazi, Kanazi. It's not in Kanazi, you fool. So that's your lie, and you're going to stick with it. Give me the applause, Lewis. There it is. (laughs) Bo Deedle just got a standing ovation. And you want to know something? Yeah. And you want to know something? I got a real big piece of cheese for him. He's the rat. He knows exactly what I'm talking about. All right. There it is. We'll end it with that. Bo Deedle. <laughs> See, this you never get on the Rush Limbaugh show. Never get it. That's, that's what's great. You get, there's a war going on here. And, and it's not, this is not a joke. These guys, you know, Curtis tries to lap it off. But the, I think at this point it's becoming very serious. And that's the best of all. This is... This is great. This, it is hilarious. It's one of those wars, though. I'm sitting back going like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. They're fighting about precincts and Canarsie and uh, uh, Jimmy, uh, this guy and James. I'm kind of, I'm trying to follow along in the war. That's what <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm trying yeah. to. I'm writing down the names and. Yeah. But that you know what uh, Phil just said, and he's right. When Bo uses that low tone, that voice, that voice, he's serious. That. That scares yes, the heck out of and me, and it should, by the way, because uh, th- that's the one man when he's calm. Yes, he he will he can kill you with his bare hands. He's a great guy, lovely oh, no, guy. He's a be- beautiful yeah. man. When he's yeah, yelling and screaming but, like his Thursday appearance, yeah. when Sam Kinison jumps in his body, that's like goofy. that shtick, right? But when he's talking like that, that's like if I'm the, Curtis, yeah. I, I hide out in some apartment for a week. That's kind of the last tone you hear before you you're off the roof before you die. Yes, yeah. that's right. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll get right to the. Uh, <laughs> you don't hear that on Valentine's Day. <laughs> Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. My friend Bruce Willis here. Before I get to Lester Chang, how bad is this latest Bruce Willis diagnosis? Bad, huh? It looks so sad. Dementia, and, uh, like a like a really advanced stage of dementia. Worse than Joe Biden? 
<laughs> I, just, I saw. I don't know Could you imagine one day if Bruce Willis wakes up and thinks he's the president, and Joe Biden wakes up and thinks he's Detective McLean? Like he has to. Yeah. <laughs> and John McLean and I've been around, Jack. And that was a gotta, great character, man. Die Hard, and I loved him, of course, in Moonlighting with Sybil Shepherd too. And he's made some other decent movies, but my God, Die Hard was great. And it's really making me sad. I love uh, Bruce Willis. I've been told to look like Bruce Willis. Did you know that? I, I, yeah, I might have been one of the ones that told you. You maybe many one, years one ago. One night. Yeah, one night when something. you were drunk. Yeah. yeah. Drunk hey, in Brooklyn. You're Bruce Willis. Get me a drink, <laughs> you dummy. You got drunk, money. Drunk in Lester Chang's district. Anyway, Lester Chang is an American hero. He served in Afghanistan. He most recently won in November as a Republican, uh, as an assemblyman in, uh, in Brooklyn. And these Democrats, these bastards, they try to take it away from him. But uh, thank God, at least uh, up to this point, he has his seat. George Santos should be gone. Lester Chang should be there. Here he is making his second appearance on Sid and Friends in the Morning, my new friend, Lester Chang. Good morning, Lester. How are you, pal? Good morning, Sid. Good morning. What's a warm day today? Later tonight, we bone chilling, just as chilling as in Albany. Do you want uh, good Chinese food up in Albany? <laughs> did you uh, did you want to be a weather person when you were a kid? Is that what uh, <laughs> a meteorologist? Um, uh, oh, are you in Albany right now? No, no, no. I'm in New York. I'll be traveling up in Albany later tonight. There's a caucus is always there. Oh, and, right, uh, right. Yes, it's gonna be bone chill. Bone chill. Oh, well, uh, and then I'll be back to a warmer next week. I think we're back in the high fifties next week. Look, the good news, Lester Chang, is that spring training pitchers and catchers are there in Florida. That means the warm weather's just a couple of weeks away. But I do want to ask you again. You won. You served this country proudly. Thank you for your service. You're a uh, a terrific guy. And the Democrats still tried to job you. Claiming, of course, this apartment you've got means you didn't live in Brooklyn. So are we done now with the challenges? Are you in this seat now and good to go? Well, there's still, there's still, I'm, I did an X mark on my back still. And I have to survive for the next 18 months and, and survive for a re-election to confirm that. So there's always doubt around there, you know, and uh, it's not really secure until you get another re-election to have a, a good margin. It's not a fluke or anything like that. So 18 months, I give myself a take. But in terms of uh, all those uh, uh, legal signs, most of the time it's trying to calm down a bit. But still, they're waiting for any mistakes I make, mm-hmm. just like anything else in this polit- political game. All right, so the bullseye is still on your back. You think it'll take about 18 months for all of it to go away, but you're, you're serving right now. You know, look, I, I'm never going to compare you to a guy like George Santos. That guy should be removed yesterday, but... Uh, you know, uh, there are people that say, well, he's got that apartment, that rent control apartment in Manhattan, kind of Santos-esque. I'm not saying that. I think there's no comparison, obviously, but there are some that say that. So it's a very simple question, Lester. Any regrets about maybe some of your campaigning strategies, what you did and didn't say before you actually did deservedly win? No, I haven't because uh, I, I ran a very clean election, never criticized anyone. I just want to talk about, hey, uh, this is your voting record. I, I ran, that's what it confuses uh, other opponents because I ran very nicely, very clean. I haven't done anything uh, that, that will raise up to the level. And it's just simple, hard work, door-to-door knocking, talking at least a 1,000 voters, knocking on it. When you have a 1,000 voters, that means I have to knock about two to 3,000 to really, uh, to, uh, just to, just to, just open the door for me. So a, a thousand voters I talk, that's about two to three thousand of of empty door knocking. So that's that's a lot of a lot of walking there. 
Okay, fair enough. Now, there's a new district in Brooklyn that is uh, majority Asian. I believe it's uh, District 43. And uh, they're going to have these uh, big city council elections, Lester, as you know, coming up. Um, I'm interested in some of these. I've got a couple of buddies, one Mike Ragusa running against uh, Justin Brandon. Actually, he's got a primary coming up first in June in uh, in that Bensonhurst, in that Bay Ridge district, I should say. But this one, the new Asian district, I believe is 43 city council. There are some that think that you may run for that, even though you just won an assembly seat. Any any truth to that, that maybe you'll run for the city council in the new uh, Asian district? No truth to that to 43. No truth to that. If I did not win this uh, uh, assembly district, I may have, but I'm I'm in. I'm solid. I'm good for another uh, another re-election year. But at 43, I suspect it's going to be a primer for both Democrat and Republican Party. I suspect that. And I, I believe in primary. And the best person who who makes the best message should win and uh, there'll be a nice fight it's going to be a very quiet very low turnout but i think 43 is going to be a fireworks in our community wow that's going to be uh, you're making it sound very very exciting lester chang and uh, and just so for folks that uh, live in brooklyn they get to really know those areas what are some of the um places in district 43 the recognizable names of some of these uh, places in that district well, certainly 43, perhaps maybe about 60% of my area. So solidly Sunset Park, Bedica Heights, uh, bits of Bensonhurst, and uh, bits of uh, a Borough Park, bits of it. Wow. Okay. So it's a long, it's a long stretch. Yeah. I know Dyker Heights very well. I went to Poly Prep with your friend Arthur Idala many years and Joseph Takapina. So I know that area very, very well in Bay Ridge, Bensonhurst, Sunset Park, Borough Park, all of that in that uh, District 43. One of the things you and I talked about, Lester, you were on the day we celebrated the Asian New Year, the Chinese New Year. And uh, you were great that day, and that's why you're back again for a second visit in less than a month. You talked about the schools and education, and Mayor Adams, who's become a friend of mine, uh, actually frustrated me. And he's a friend of mine a couple of days ago because I thought he was pro-charter schools, but he's so caught up in money uh, from the budget, and it's not even true what he's saying. I got I got I got to put Eric out there. It's not even true that now he's kind of gone sideways on charter schools, even though that's what Kathy Holker wants. Uh, I am very pro-charter school. I don't care about the money. The money's not even real, that billion-dollar figure Eric Adams came up with. What are your thoughts on education, charter schools, and the mayor's stance up in Albany a couple of days ago? Well, I am pro-charter school myself and pro-parental uh, choice for, for school choices, no question. And I support yeshivas, uh, their academic uh, 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 plans. So I'm pro for that. Eric Adams, for his budget itself, he has a big problem with the uh, the new immigrants right now. They're, they're eating up his budget a lot. And the federal government's not there backing him. The, the state's going to come up with so much money, and, and he's afraid that he'll be short on money to, to, run, to run the city. No, that's fine. But, but, that. but his contention was, was that uh, – I'll tell you what the, the detractors are saying. They're saying, first of all, it's going to take years and years for all of these charter schools to get underway so you don't pay that money up front. They're also saying so many kids are not in school these days, about 20% of what it was a couple of years ago, there's plenty of room in existing schools. So a lot of that money that the mayor is contending needs to go towards this isn't really true. What are your thoughts on that? My thoughts is about 85 uh, charter schools, what they call zombie schools, that, that weren't disenrolled. So we had to quarter by 85 for, uh, charter school, And I believe that there is money for charter school, and the disenrollment 
in terms of that, we have a lot of people moving away from the city, moving out from the city. So that's why you have a low enrollment right now in the city school. So we had to stop that. But but at the same time, is we're increasing uh, the the class sizes. They're trying to shrink down the class sizes. So you need to expand more schools. So I believe there is we can co-locate charter school and public school at the same time. There is money. There is money. I agree. They need to get it done. Lester, you and I and Ron Kim was on that day, too, discussed some of the reasons why our children are lagging so far behind in in really important classes, math and science, and the Asian community, your community, does very, very well. And most of it, of course, goes to parenting. We know that, right? Our kids are sitting there playing Xbox, and and, uh, your community is at home doing homework. That may sound real simple, but really, that's, that's the truth. Why do you think we've lagged so far behind kids here in America in some of the most important studies in school? Look, in education, I think three ways. First thing is teachers, qualified teachers. Second, motivation of, of, of students. And third, most important thing is motivation of parents. The parents have to come in. We can't legislate parents' involvement, but if parents more involved with children's education, then the child will 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 gravitate more schooling. Now, I happen to know several cases in in my district. I've seen women or, or old men picking up cans just to just to save money for their grandchildren to go for for uh, for tutoring programs. What do you know about? That. Where is this? Yeah. Well, give me where is this exactly? This is not Bensonhurst. Where is this? No, but in Chinatown and also as well as East Avenue. And sometimes I look at them. You see them picking up cans to survive, but some of them I really asked them is, you know, why are you picking up cans for? Hey, you know, to save money for, for my grandchildren for, for tutoring. Hmm. That's how devoted that they are in education. Oh, that's sad too. So you have to have to vote you have hmm. to have that kind of motivation hmm. and kids have to be motivated. If yep. you don't have that element, yep. it's gonna be very hard. Yep. Uh, on the way out, Lester, you know, you're right. On the way out, you're Chinese, is that right? Yes, I'm Chinese. I'm okay. Chinese. So everything going on right now with the balloons, we're shooting down balloons. Now the president says last couple of days, we're not even sure if they really are coming from China. I guess trying to, you know, kind of minimize what may turn out to be a huge conflict between China and the United States. So as a proud Chinese citizen here in America, are you disheartened by what's going on between China and the United States? Do you think that the president of China, the man in charge there, is uh, is out to get the United States and eventually drive us to war. What are your thoughts as a Chinese-American, your thoughts on the Chinese-America relationship right now? Well, for mainland China, it's uh, very contentious right now. Okay, so there is there is animosity. And, and Xi Jinping, I think this is his third term, maybe maybe for life. Yes, there is contention. And, and what the U.S., you have to understand, China's a billion people over there. You have to have a tight control. In America, democracy rules. So, so how do you manage a billion people, and how do you manage to have people working without anarchy? So you have to have a strong arm. And applying American democracy into Chinese culture doesn't mix. So that's why uh, I believe that there is uh, friction in there. And with the balloon itself, I'm... I'm not very happy if, they, if the Chinese release the balloon, whether it be accident or, or not accident, into American territory. That's not, that's not good optic itself. Lou Rafino, my show, contends Lester Chang that WOHOP 
in Chinatown is the best Chinese restaurant in New York. Who better than you would know this? What is the best Chinese restaurant in Brooklyn? In Brooklyn, Wall Hop is in Chinatown, yes. not in Brooklyn. Yeah, no, I know, but so I'm asking, we know about Chinatown. What is the, but you're in Brooklyn. What is the best yeah. Chinese restaurant in Brooklyn? I think one of them is called Golden Palace at 61st Street and 7th Avenue, John Chen Restaurant. I think that's one of the better ones in there. Is that where you go? Is that where you go? I go there very frequently. I go there very frequently yeah. for banquet type of dinner, yes. Yeah. Uh, because um, uh, we we love Chinese food here. In fact, my 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 guy Macedonia Phil. I never sure this really existed, but we found out a couple of weeks ago that people really love Chinese bakeries. Are there a lot of Chinese bakeries in Brooklyn, Manhattan, and New York City? What is a Chinese bakery exactly? There's a lot. Uh, one really, thing about the Chinese bakery is is not as sweet as other pastries are. Not as heavy. The cream is not not heavy. It's light, not so sweet. So that's what that's what we uh, like to uh, eat for. It's very light uh, uh, compared to other communities like Italians or, or Jewish. Are very sweet and sometimes can be very heavy. No kidding. It's light. I didn't know yeah. this. I actually had an argument with somebody since I'm a little kid. I used to go to like um, there was a place called Loon Hing on Avenue U in uh, in Brooklyn. We used to really like that place and. Uh, there was others that, that we enjoyed in Brooklyn, but I oh, I would always get Lester pineapple. I would get ice cream, a uh, a fortune cookie, and pineapple for dessert. And this generation goes, I've never once been to a Chinese restaurant where they serve pineapples. Now, am I crazy? Or was that not a big thing years and years ago? No, that's very common. You go to Far East, and they have pineapples out there. It's very, very common. Yes. Thank you. I win. Well, listen, uh, it's been another very informative and uh, tremendous conversation. And don't let these Democrats bother you, Lester. We love you. Thank you for your service to this country. You're a great man. You're a great politician. And many, many, many days ahead serving the proud people of Brooklyn. I'm a Brooklyn guy myself, Lester. So thank you so much, and God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Sid. My Take man. Care. You too. There he is. Lester Chang, don't tell me there's no pineapple for dessert. You heard it from the man himself. <laughs> Phil went jumping up and down. I know. He was so happy. Yes. Phil loves a good Chinese bakery. But then again, who doesn't? Come rushing by in my head when I meet you. Fourteen joys and a will to be married. All of the things that they say Is Sid and friends in the morning? But you say he's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Boy. Boy. I've got another confession to make. I'm your fool. Everyone's got their chains to break. Holding you. Foo Fighters, best of you. Welcome back. Hour number three of the Nielsen-rated number one news talk show in New York City. The self-proclaimed best talk show anywhere in America. That's me. That's us. 
Sitting Friends in the Morning on Talk Radio 77 WABC. And we played this song because this great group led by uh, Dave Grohl, the drummer, Taylor Hawkins, died. Is that right? No, it, today is his birthday. He died last yes, year birthday. in Columbia. But today is Taylor Hawkins' birthday. Would have been 51. I, I wow, what a right. waste. 1972? Yeah. What a waste. Yeah. <laughs> this is a talented, great uh, person. So good. Yeah, everybody loved him. They did yeah. love him. And uh, that's a great song. It's a great group. And God rest in peace, Taylor Hawkins. And if you were listening moments ago to Justin Ellick's Sports, you would know that Tim McCarver died yesterday. Timmy good friend of mine for years. He was on my Florida shows, Lou, I mean, all the time, all the time, and had a great career. Spent most of his, uh, well, his early days were in St. Louis between 1959 and 1969. Caught for guys like Bob Gibson, Steve Carlton, won those two World Series, that epic Game 7 win over the Yankees in 1964, hit that big home run in Game 5, and of course, another epic World Series win three years later, beating the Red Sox in 7 in 1967. He was also part of that 1980 Philadelphia Philly team his last year in the majors that won the World Series. He spent 10 years in St. Louis and 10 years in Philadelphia. Then went on to become one of the most iconic announcers in the history of baseball, 83 through 98. He spent 16 years doing Met games. Also did the Yankees, and then, of course, also did Fox with Joe Buck. So he went on to become this really legendary announcer. You know, the Mets have a great team right now. I know Keith Hernandez signed a couple of days ago, and throw him in the mix there with Gary Cohen and Ron Darling. I think that's the best booth in baseball. No disrespect to Michael K. I love Michael, but Mets have the best booth in baseball. But McCarver really became a legend with that after an unbelievable baseball career. I mean, he wasn't the greatest player ever, but played on some of the greatest teams and played a very important position, caught for some of the all-time greats, a bunch of Hall of Famers. So Timmy passed away at the age of 81 yesterday. That's why we played Best of You. Is that right, uh, Lewis? Yes. And uh, because he he was, I think, one of the best. Also, you know, who also died on this day uh, last two years ago was Rush Limbaugh. We had that discussion uh, about an hour ago. <laughs> Louis crapped all over him. It was great. Oh, it was so good. You love it because of the rankings. That's yes. what it is. Louis, uh, and he means it sincerely as a man that worked 30 years on the Imus in the Morning Show. And Imus was certainly a legend. But Louis, in a moment of... Candor? Sincerity and candor and honesty actually said on this show on the air, and he meant it, that the only radio host he's ever worked with and or listened to that he thinks is more entertaining and better than me is Stern. Not <laughs> I miss, not Rush, none of them. Did you not say that? You're laughing now. I'm laughing because I it's something you're completely fixated on and it makes me laugh. But why did you say You knew it was going to happen. Why did you say it then? I, 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 I don't know. Did Even, you not mean it? Were you, were you just trying to break my balls and no, be nice? No, no, I don't see you. Call, I, I said it in all honesty. It definitely. Why? It's it's very, all it is is very simple. When you watch a TV show, a radio show, is it something you don't want to turn off? Right. That's that's it. That's, I I can't see how people were entertained for two, three hours straight of listening to Rush now, it doesn't mean he wasn't talented and great on the air, because he was, and very smart, and could could talk and, and, and do a, a good radio show. It wasn't for me. I, I couldn't even see putting it on for an hour. 
And then, like, listen, because, could, you, could you do that? I, oh, of course not. Are you I mean, nuts? That's, that's it. So Are you that's nuts? The, that's, you go listen, from there. I can't listen to Sean Hannity. I love Sean. I love him. One of my, I'll tell you this. One of the highlights of my career was I was in Miami, and I really wanted to get back to New York. You know, when Chernoff gave me the summer at FAN in 2014, that's when I knew sports wasn't going to work anymore. I mean, there was so much going on in the world, and I'm sitting there with Mark Malusis arguing whether or not Carmelo Anthony's a great basketball player, or Eli Manning's a Hall of Famer. I'm like, oh, my God, what am I doing? Um, but I was in New York for about the whole summer, and Sean Hannity actually reached out to me and had me on his radio show. And I was like, wow. And he went on and on. I'm a big fan of yours, Sid. I remember the fight with Bernie on Imus and blah. He was great. I love the guy. He's been so loyal to me and even more loyal to my late dear friend Bernard. He was great to Bernie. But I can't listen to that. It's the same thing every day. Yeah, that's all. It's just the same thing. Rush was the same. It's the same. You know why I liked? I'll tell you who I liked. Yeah, who did you like to listen to? And I'll tell you, he was much better than Rush Limbaugh. But no one would ever say that because they're scared to death to say it. Michael Savage. Because Michael Savage, this psycho, would do all the political stuff, be just as enthusiastic and crazy as Rush, but then he'd spend 20 minutes talking about his garden. Yeah. And, and he, I loved it. And he sounded psycho, too, which was crazy. Say crazy. Yes. This craziest stuff. It, like, I, I, I forgot how he actually sounded, but I did like listening loved to him. him, too. Loved him. It was just something that you can't predict. That's, that's, that's all it that's comes out. That's the one word. I that's mean, we talk it. about compelling, we talk about funny. When you're predictable on radio, when you go in, and a lot of folks love that. Again, I talked about Bernie's popularity earlier today. He was a really funny guy, Bernie, on the I Miss show. When he passed away, all the tributes that we played for Bernie, none of them were with me. None of them. None. Zero. Is that not true? I, I have to agree. Yes, Zero. Because it was I... him doing the Cardinal on I Miss. It was Bernie Man on the Streets on I Miss. Right. And every time I was on with Bernie on I Miss, Bernie was really funny. And then he decided one day here, for about five years, he was going to be a political animal. He was not that funny Bernie McGurk he was on Imus. But people loved him because he spoke their language, which was, I love Trump and I hate every Democrat. Right. And people loved it. And that's great. That speaks to how popular and beloved Bernie was. He connected with them. Connected. Yes. But he was a completely different performer on Bernie and Sid than he was on Imus. And I love working with Bernie. I've had a lot of partners over the years, a lot. My favorite by far was Bernard, but he was a different guy. You know, I used to beg him, please tell me about this. Tell me about that. You know, we didn't get good ratings for a long time, a long time. People loved it. Oh, he's talking Trump. We were getting twos, twos. I'm like, Bernie, we got to open this up a little bit. You just got to loosen up just a little bit. And that's your point. So when, when you listen to a radio show, you want to just be entertained and listen, I'll be honest with you, okay? I don't know. Going into the break at 8.03, I have no idea what I'm going to talk about at 8.05. None. You know that. That's right. true. Right. I have one piece of paper in front of me, one. Other hosts have their cuts ready to go. <laughs> they actually write down every single segment what they're going to talk about. I've never done that in 20 years. Never. Never. <laughs> So that brings us to the next big story of the day, which is Ryan Seacrest. And we did this in the 6 o'clock hour. We'll do it one more time. You folks remember when my book came out, Citizens United, back in September, that uh, I did a lot of stuff. Brian Kilmeade was very good to me. He really was. He was great. Had me on Fox and Friends. Had me on One Nation. I can't thank Brian Kilmeade enough. And there were other shows 
that were very good to me, Mark Levin, Bill O'Reilly, a bunch of shows that, that came up big. But the biggest boost I got by far was Kelly Ripper. So my guy, Art Sears, reaches out to me and he goes, listen, Kelly has a new book out and she wants to come on your show and promote it. I said, Art, does she know who she's coming on with? And Art said, don't worry about it. So sure enough, we bring Kelly Ripper on and it went great. She could not have loved me any more than she did. And by the time the conversation was over, mind you, a nine-minute conversation, she loved the way I promoted her book, and she found out during the conversation I had a book out, and all she wanted to do was help. You may remember this. She said, Sid, get me a copy of your book, and I will hold it up in front of my audience, which is in the millions, much bigger than mine, in the millions on Monday. I'm like, oh, Kelly, stop. Sid, I'll do it. So who's the uh, the pretty nice girl who sits at the front uh, desk here at uh, ABC? What's her name? Sarah. Great girl. So she actually ran the book over to Kelly's office on a Friday. Kelly was gone already, knowing that Kelly would get it first thing Monday morning. Monday comes, and there it is at the very beginning of the show. We had done three hours that day. It was the fourth and final hour right there in front of Kelly, a copy of my book. And we were yelling and screaming, Phil and you, Lewis, and Justin. And sure enough. <laughs> it's, it's down on the left. I see it. I see it. It's down on the left. Everybody in the news room was oh, like getting nuts. their phones out. And sure enough, three <laughs> minutes into that show, Kelly Ripple, who I'll love forever. Sorry, Charlie Marino. Kelly Ripple, who I'll love forever, did what she promised she would do. That's all I care about. You made a promise, and she did it. Now, she had no idea who I was, Trump supporter, conservative, all that nonsense, and had no idea that everybody in and around her, including her co-host, Ryan Seacrest, hates my guts. So she's holding up the book and yelling and screaming. Well, let's play it. This was um, the beginning of her show on that Monday morning when Kelly Ripper showed to America she's a woman of her word. I spoke to a, a, a radio broadcaster famous here in New York, WABC, Sid Rosenberg, who I had not ever spoken Don't to interview before. It. And we used to work in the same building, and I was no, like, how is it possible we've never even bumped into each other? Like, when I worked at All My Children, that's where that broadcast center is. And I was like, how have we never spoken to each other before? Anyway, he too has written a book, and he was giving my book such props, and I said, you know, I'm going to give your book, I'll give it a plug on my show, because I... Uh, Talk show. Yeah, you got a show. You're not the only one. This is like a radio show on TV, right? In fairness, I have not read his book yet because I just got it this morning because I ordered it on Amazon because I went to the bookstore. It wasn't there, so I had to order it. So it just came this morning. I'm so grateful to have it. But it's called Citizens United, and I promised him I would hold it up on the air, and I will read it, but I haven't read it yet. Um, uh, And I think it's a lot of... From Audrey was trying to read it quickly backstage. She said, You were trying to read the whole book backstage? Well, Audrey's a fast reader, and I was like, I I haven't read it yet. I just got it this morning. I literally opened the box. So she said that it's, uh, uh, you, you said that it's his life's story with sports and like wellness and fitness, pop culture references, and his opinion on everything. Yes. Okay. Unvarnished opinion. Okay, good. Okay, good. Well, I will (laughs) let you know about it after I read it.
which she never did, of course, because she came to find out what was in the book. And the producer that said unvarnished opinion was rolling her eyes as she said that. And if you go to my Instagram, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney, and go back a couple of months, the video of Kelly doing that is there, and you can see a really angry, I mean angry Ryan Seacrest, at one point fold his arms, lean back in his chair, roll his eyes and look to the ceiling like, Kelly, do you have any idea who you're promoting? This is this is Satan. This is the devil. This guy likes Trump. What are you doing? She had no idea. And, of course, she's never talked about the book again. So yesterday, Ryan Seacrest made this announcement. I made the decision to make this my last season as co-host with Kel here on Live with Kelly and Ryan, which is bittersweet. The greatest part of this entire experience has been that you've gone from being a, f- a friend to a family member. I feel you that are, way. You are I, I feel that way about both of us. Um, I look up to you. I, I respect you so much. I love the fact that we get a chance to sit here every day and connect with you at home in your kitchens, in your living rooms. There's nothing like this on television. I'm getting emotional. I promised Kelly I would not cry. (laughs) Three turned into six because of the genuine fun of being on this television show every hour of every weekday. I love you so much. So my contention is, and this may be, once again, me being very egocentric. I've been accused of that a lot lately. That's why we're number one, but that's fine. Um, my contention is the day she held up my book was the day that Ryan Seacrest gave his notice. <laughs> hey, look, when this runs out, I'm done. That's it. This is American Idol. <laughs> I had to find my way. I had to find a way to attach myself to the Chris Cuomo story yesterday. I was able to do it. The Ryan Seacrest story today, able to do it. You see that, Phil? That's, that's how you do it, bro. That's it, right there. Yeah, I'm, I'm writing this all down. I'm learning <laughs> yeah, a lot. Yeah. Is that a crazy, crazy contention, or is there at least a possibility that may be true? I'd like to believe that's true. You do, right? Sure. No, let's just go with it. Doesn't hurt anyone. They, not even no one gets harmed in this. So why not just make lies about people? Ralph Napolitano, <laughs> his quote is: "Seacrest is a douchebag," and uh, Pat Russo and Lisa Ganji checks in about the Chinese restaurants. Let me see what uh, Pat Russo who does all that boxing with the kids. He's a great guy. I've never been to a Chinese restaurant and did not have vanilla ice cream with pineapple chunks on top of it. Love it. And that comes from Pat Russo. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. We did have Lester Chang out of Brooklyn on back at 740. Curtis Sliwa was great at 705. In fact, his appearance (laughs) compelled Bo Deedle to call in with a response at about 725. That was great. Still to come, Gnome's Nuggets become very, very popular. We'll talk to Judge Janine Pirro, the great columnist of the New York Post, Michael Goodwin, and, yes, Anthony Scaramucci. Plus, Sid's Take, brought to you by my dear friend Pete Morgan and the fine folks at Peerless Boilers. Lots more to do on a Friday morning with me, Sid, right here on Talk Radio 77. WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC.
always listen to Elvis Duran. Still love Elvis. And uh, he would do this. Uh, well, it wasn't him. He was off the air at that point. It may have been Paul Cubby Bryant or one, or one of these guys. We had the uh, 5 o'clock whistle every Friday, and this song would come on. Oh my God. <laughs> you put like four or five songs. This was one of them. The 5 o'clock whistle, Z100. Oh, genius. Hey, Elvis is a genius. He's he's made millions and millions. He's had a great, he's a very nice guy, super guy. He's very uh, yes, I met him. He's, he's nice. one of those guys who was nice fat and now he's nice skinny. Both. Yeah, that's very that's rare. Thank you. <laughs> I do like him, uh, and he is a legitimate icon. So, uh, are you going to be nice when you get really fat? You're going to. I'm never going to nice. get really fat. No, I'm never going to be really like, nice. No, yeah. you're not going to be nice. That's for no. sure. Ladies and gentlemen, get ready to elevate your workouts with the Sid Rosenberg Rosen Tan color workout t-shirt introducing the ultimate fitness apparel that will make you stand out from the crowd made from premium quality fabric this t-shirt is designed to provide maximum comfort and durability ensuring that you will feel and look your best during your workouts and the best part the unique rosen tan color will give you an instant boost of confidence making you feel like a fitness icon so whether you're lifting weights running on the treadmill or doing your favorite yoga poses you'll look and feel incredible in this new rosen tan color workout t-shirt so what are you waiting for? I've got a ton of orders this week. I swear to God, it's hilarious. I've never even heard of that. Though. Oh, yeah. No, it's, I'm old, um, I uh, wore it to the gym a couple of days ago. You see the veins popping out of my arm. They sold a ton. Right now, it's the number one seller. Order your Sid Rosenberg Rosen Tan Color Workout T-shirt today and experience the ultimate workout apparel with the WABC Radio Store right now at WABCRadioStore.com. Check it out, Lewis, and get ready to rock your workouts like never before. Oh, Quickly. I'm on that. Go, go get it. Uh, one quick text before I get to know him from Bo Deedle. He's, he's crazy about Curtis. Curtis Sliwa, another lie. <laughs> Just check Bo Deedle's true crime story and the ratings blow out cop talk by 80%. You may remember Curtis this morning was saying cop talk gets better ratings than Bo's podcast. Bo is saying that's a lie. Again, the liar continues. I now realize I really don't want to keep this smelly Dirty cat infested little man in the conversation. <laughs> Just let him keep lying. Love, Bo. <laughs> you know, people think this is shtick, and well, it's I really think, not. You well, should see I, what's I, going I think on it's, out here. It's, it's, it's kind of shtick with Curtis. Right. But Bo's about ready to kill him. Yeah. Because one thing about Bo is he'll have fun with the best of them, and he yells and screams here on Thursdays. But there's two things you can't mess with. Family and friends. He's very loyal and his job. Right. So... You know, you can mess with his acting, you can me- a whole bunch of stuff. And he'll be angry, but he'll get past it. But when it comes to friends, family, and his job, you'll end up in Starwood City somewhere. I don't know when. <laughs> I thought he was going to kill Curtis when he was here the other day. Right. <laughs> He's like, oh, uh, boy. Thankfully, Curtis did not walk in the door. That yeah. Day, so. No, you're being one of those garbage cans with that chemical <laughs> yeah. lie on top of you or something. It's not going to be good. Because then he, he gets like one of those dogs that starts growling very low. Yeah. <laughs> See, when he's loud and boisterous, yeah, he's having fun. But That's then he right. gets to be like one of those guard dogs that stares at you. Yes. I'm going to tell him one more time, he better back up or I'm going <laughs> to... That's when he gets really scary. Yeah, you're right. But we're at, that, we're at that stage right now, so stay tuned. What do you got for us today, Noam Lady? You've been doing great with this. You know, I like to do these uh, deep dives stories, find <laughs> out what's, yes, you do. what's real, dives. what's not real. So the latest one, maybe you've seen this. 
that uh, the villages, you know, the villages is this place outside of Orlando, Florida. It is a retirement community, the biggest retirement community in the nation. One hundred and seventy thousand people live there. Yeah, it's, it's huge. Huge. Yeah, it goes. It, it crosses like three different counties. It's right by Disney World. I think I think Bernie may have had a timeshare there at one point, believe it or not, with Carol. But good. So this list comes out. And if you go and drive around the villages, it a lot of cars have different colored loofahs. You know those loofah sponges? They're on their antennas. They're on top of their cars. What? And so people started to ask, what, what's the scoop with these loofahs? And it comes to fact that apparently there's this thing called the loofah code in the villages, which is for senior swingers, each color Meaning a different thing. You're kidding. So, so they put loopers on their cars yes. to indicate exactly how they swing and they're elderly people. This is what I was told. So I was told <laughs> white is for beginners. Okay. Black is for those who want it all. What if they want a black person? Uh, Do you think black would be that? Could be. A right. Teal reserved for those who identify as bisexual. Teal is bisexual. Purple is for those who... <laughs> Now, now, mind you, Wait, this, is for like, this, for the, is, this is for like 80-year-old yes. people. Okay. Purple, purple is for those who like to watch. <laughs> I'll take a purple. Yeah. What else you got? <laughs> so I said, okay, this oh, can't God. be true. So we threw a microphone down in uh, the area where everybody gathers to see concerts and Come stuff on. like that. And we asked. We said, you know, is it's there... one thing for you to interview a prostitute at the Super Bowl and right. get actual audio, these other things. You're telling me that you've actually gotten audio to confirm and or deny this loofah swinger story for 80-year-olds in Orlando. Exactly. Oh, my God. So we threw a microphone in the town square in uh, Florida and asked people what they thought about this whole idea. They had heard, everybody had heard about it, by the way, the loofah thing. Go ahead. Everybody's heard it. Mm-hmm. So you haven't seen yeah, one I loofah. I haven't seen one. So that's good, yeah. That's yeah. good. So literally you have 150,000 houses. There's probably this super small amount yeah. of people that may or may not no, do yeah. that. Yeah. And so... Everybody looks around for the rumor. Yeah, so they, oh that person God. wasn't sure it was happening. But then we got somebody to drive around the community, like the Walmart and stuff like that. And they said, yeah, I'm seeing these different Come colored on. loofahs on cars. But they're sure that's why? Well, so wait a second. We did get an answer. You know, I like to do my deep yes. dive, find yes. out if it's true or because not. Because if, 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 if it, it sounds great, and if it's true, it's, it's the greatest story maybe ever. Of course. But something tells me that this is not the truth. So Jerry and Linda do a podcast for the Villages. Who's that? Jerry and Linda? They're, they're, uh, just people, some Jewish just couple. Some, some people, they're not even. I think they're from Kentucky or something like that. <laughs> so they're in the villages. They retired there. And so we asked them, we said, is there any truth to this? They did a further investigation for us because, you know, I, I, they didn't want to pay for me to fly down to Florida to do this. So uh, here's what they had to say. That that is a signal, depending on what color it is, of what you're into as far as, uh, you, you know. Extracurricular yeah, activities. Yeah, extracurricular <laughs> And they will show you a white one, a red one, a pink one, a blue one, a black one. And they they go on how these villagers are really into this. And you'll see these on all the golf carts and people will be advertising what they're into. And Yeah, so they said in the end, they, it's nonsense. So this is what the <laughs> – it's more simple than anybody thought. People put the loofahs on their car because everybody drives a white car in Florida, especially if you're like 75 and older. Yeah. You drive a white car. Why? My I grandma did. She did in Delray Beach. She had a white car. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently this is the thing. So what happens is because when you get older, you're like, I can't find my car. 
So you put a coward loofah oh like you do God. a tag on luggage. So who started the rumor about the swinging stuff? We don't know. Oh, God, I so wish it was true. God damn it, I just bought a purple loofah. <laughs> <laughs> you should have came up to the conclusion quicker. Come on. So it's that simple. I just yeah. want to be able to find out which car is theirs. Yeah. Yeah. What a great story. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had me going there for a while. I'm like, oh, my God. I wanted it to be true, but, you know, I got to get deliver the truth. So Amazing. The truth. Amazing. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. This whole talk about AIDS makes me uncomfortable. I think that, I think it's the wrong road to go down. She says people, you know, politicians or something are not in their prime. Nikki Haley isn't in her prime. Sorry. When a woman is considered to be in her prime in her 20s and 30s and maybe 40s. What do you that's talk about? Acor- that's not according to me. Prime for what? Uh, it depends. I mean, it's just like prime. If you look it up, it'll. If you look, if you Google when is a woman in her prime, it'll say twenties, thirties, and forties. I don't necessarily. Forties. Oh, I got another. I'm not decade. saying I agree with that. So I think she has to be careful about saying that. Well, you know, politicians aren't in their I think prime. You need to qualify. Are you talking about prime for like childbearing, or are you talking about prime for being president? What the facts are? Google it. Everybody at home. Facts. When is a woman in her prime? It says twenties, thirties, and forties. And I'm just saying Nikki Haley should be careful about saying that politicians are not in their prime, and they need to be in their prime when they serve because she wouldn't be in her prime, according to Google, you know, Google, or whatever it is. She's all you'd ever want. She's the kind I'd like to flaunt and take to dinner. But she always knows her place. She's got style. She's got grace. She's a winner. She's a lady. See, we always knew that Don Lemon was a racist. He's right there with Joy Reid at MSNBC and Whoopi Goldberg. Man, she's garbage. And I loved her in Ghost and Sister Act, and I really did. I loved her. But the more she talks on The View, the more you find out that Whoopi hates whites, hates Jews, hates everybody. And Lemon now exposes himself yesterday as a chauvinist, misogynistic pig. And I'm saying that. Me, Sid Rosenberg. So just so you know, uh, CNN told us this morning that Don Lemon, quote unquote, had the day off. They should fire him. But anyway, uh, my next guest... An amazing job here, 11 a.m. every Sunday morning. I used to come in early to do my sports show just to talk with her because I love her. I've got a crush on her. And uh, she's the star of the five, as far as I'm concerned, on Fox News every afternoon. It ain't Gutfeld or Waters. It's her. Here she is, the great Judge Janine Pirro. Judge Janine, how are you? Good morning. Good morning. And I got to tell you, first of all, um, that whole idea with Don Lemon or Lamone, as Tucker Carlson calls them, that was misogynistic. That was sexist. You see, the truth is, Sid, that they just have to say something negative about everyone who is not tuned into their ideology. And so even if they say something as ridiculous and stupid as Don Lemon did, you know, they'll just hate them. They're haters. And let me tell you how dumb this guy Don, Don Lemon is. He is so dumb that he didn't understand the difference between childbearing years and cognitive uh, <laughs> intelligence or cognitive ability. So he Googles, he Googles it, you know, he says, Google it. Those are the facts. The woman's not in her prime unless she's in her 20s, 30s, and 40s. Prime for what? To have ch- children, yes. 
but he is he is just so hateful and he is so condescending and he's had a lot of problems with the women on that morning show. I mean, I can't believe that Chris Licht is, is sticking around with this guy. He is a hateful guy who is, is he's arrogant. He thinks he's the best. He knows everything. And he's constantly getting slapped down by yeah. these women, Caitlin and Poppy. No, I know. They meet like every couple of weeks because they're aggravated. Something he said, he, he's condescending <laughs> to them. And, and, you know, listen, Chris is not Jeff Zucker. When Chris took over, he said, I'm not Jeff Zucker. It ain't going to happen here. He fired that louse Chris Cuomo. So here's his yeah. opportunity right here, Judge, to show people he's not Jeff Zucker. Do the right thing and fire this bastard. Well, you know, I hate to say fire people because, you know, they, they, they said it about all of us. Here's the bottom line. If he is producing results, if he's getting numbers, if he is able to be, you know, people there enjoy working with him, that's the key, Sid. You love your job. I love my job. If you, you know, if he's creating a negative work environment, that's something to be considered. Yep. And if he says stupid things, he says stupid things since day one <laughs> under the guise of I know everything. And he doesn't. <laughs> he so, really doesn't. But I, I want to stick with Nikki Haley. Forget about Don Lemon, because, uh, you know, I bring on so many smart people on this show every week, including you here today, as smart as it gets. And everybody gives me a different opinion. You know, the real Trump loyalist, for example, like my friend Andrew Giuliani, he hates her and he hates her because, you know, she, she stabbed him in the back. So that's the only reason yeah. why. Uh, then I yeah. get the people who go, wait a second. She's really smart. She got rid of the Confederate flag. She knows her politics. She's pro-police. She's everything we need for this country. Where does Judge yeah. Janine stand with Nikki Haley? Well, first of all, um, I, I like Nikki Haley. You know, the issue is not whether you like a candidate, but whether or not they have the ability to win. And she certainly has a good record as a governor. Uh, but at the same time, uh, didn't she didn't she bail after a couple of years uh, in the uh, in the Trump administration? I don't know how long she was our uh, ambassador to the U.N. I think it was just two years and then she left. Yeah, but, but you, you uh, go, you, listen, I love Trump and I would vote for Trump tomorrow, Judge. But if you're going to start to, uh, to hold it against people who ran away from Donald Trump, no one's going to be left. Nobody. They all well, ran. <laughs> yeah. But 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 here's the thing. I mean, you want to see you want to be able to talk about things that she's done. She was in the U.N. I think it was two years. But as I said, the issue was and is whether or not she can get people behind her right now. She's maybe at three uh, percent. Look, this thing is going to it's going it, to shuffle out in about six months. It's too early to call. Yeah, I like this one or that. Well, I like everybody. I mean, in the end. We got to talk about who can win, who can capture the the nomination, and and who can win the general. And I talk about that all the time, and that's why I hate doing this, because good, solid people like Nikki Haley, Mike Pompeo, Tim Scott, any one of these folks, I I completely discount, because no matter what anybody tries to tell me, this is a two-man race. It's Donnie and Ronnie, and the rest of these people have no chance, none. Well, you know what? Some of them may be auditioning for VP. We don't know. But um, in the end, you know, time will tell. I think it's too early to start reading uh, Crystal Ball. It's way too early. We'll see what happens. But I want to talk about Ohio. You want to talk about the the whole uh, Palestine thing is becoming a huge issue. Fish are dying. People will be next. Nothing from Pete Buttigieg. What do you want to say? What I want to say is this guy, Pete Buttigieg, Marco uh, Rubio today called for him to resign or for him to be fired. I'm not sure which. But in the end, this guy hasn't even shown up. And he gave a speech a couple days ago, didn't even mention it. 
It was like the president with the State of the Union. He didn't even mention <laughs> China. You know, it's like these guys, they have their speeches written a couple of weeks in advance, and they don't even discuss what's relevant. Well, let me take Look, you back to what you said before. You wouldn't want to see Don Lemon get fired because, like me, you hate cancel culture. But you'd be okay with Pete Buttigieg getting fired because, because he's killing he's people. he's not doing his job. He right. works for us. That's the difference. We, the taxpayers, pay for them to be in office and to do their job. And if Pete Buttigieg isn't doing their, his job for the people of the United States, do I need to start with the uh, uh, supply chain crisis? How about the airplane problems that we had from November through January? How about when he first came in, he couldn't show up because he was a new father? <laughs> you know, and with this whole thing, he couldn't even talk about it. We're talking about a chemical waste spill. We're talking about vinyl chloride being shipped alongside frozen vegetables and Seminola, which is a wheat, and everything being exploded in a plume. And then they're saying, oh, there's no problem. Everything's great. Baloney, everything's great. You're not even watching it. And this Norfolk, this train company, they didn't send their people to the meeting because they didn't want them. They thought it was too dangerous. They thought they might get sick. I'm worried about the little guy. I'm worried about the person who lives in in, in Palestine and is not able to afford to get individual testing. And they can run around and say, you know what? We're going to take care of you. Everything's okay. It's not okay. Fish are dying. Birds are not in the sky. Kids are, 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 I mean, they're getting, apparently, they're getting rashes. They're getting sore throats. This is a hazard uh, chemical spill. And what is important here is that the lobbyists have been running Washington as it relates to our railroads, and I am sick and tired of it. They are carrying chemical waste, hazardous waste, through our cities and towns. Forget about the fact that there are 1,700 accidents in a year. Forget about the fact that there are car crashes in some of these areas. This is the kind of stuff that should not be going through on railroads, period. And I don't want to hear about the experts being hired by the railroad company or the railroad company asking for a disclaimer if they give you $1,000. I hear they dropped that, but they only dropped it after we made a lot of noise. And by the way, Fox was the Fox News Channel was the first person or the first TV uh, uh, station on this thing. Nobody wants to talk about it. You'd think the left and the ABCs and the rest of them would at least the, the mainstream media talk about this because these are the forgotten people. And then Joe Biden gets up and he wants he wants to give us a speech on balloons. Yesterday, he gives us a speech. I mean, these guys are clueless. clueless. And I'm telling you, they should be fired. I mean, the guy says, look, we had three balloons that we shot down. They're likely private companies, recreation research. And even though we knew it wasn't a spy balloon, they, uh, we, we shot them down. But the one that we knew was a spy balloon, we didn't shoot it down until it did all its business going over the sensitive missile sites and hovering over our intercontinental ballistic sites. So what's the policy? If you don't know what it is, you shoot it down. If it's China, you don't shoot it down. You let it do its work, and then you wait for it to be shot down over the ocean. And then Kamala, she's another genius. She says that Chinese spy balloon doesn't damage relations. Is, is, first of all, we know she's clueless. I'm not even going to go there. But is China now a protected class? <laughs> I mean, is, are they protected now? If, hey, China, you come right in here. And Joe Biden doesn't want to create any problems. And then when they ask him, coming out of the presser, Mr. Biden, is the, did you not shoot it down because you're worried about your family's relations with China and the money? He gets hot. He gets furious and he storms out. And by the way, those, lo- those balloons... One is from a local hobby club. <laughs> it's 
$12 balloon that we sent a Sidewinder missile, $400,000, missed it the first time. We send another $400,000 Sidewinder. So we spend a million six on Sidewinders to take down three balloons that are baloney, balloon shit. And then, and then we let China do its job. Oh, and then we tell, you know what? We really don't know because it went in the water. You idiots, you let it go in the water. Then they say, we knew about it when it, when it was in the Aleutians. If you knew about it when it was in the Aleutians entering Alaska on the 28th of January, you liars, why did you wait until we heard about it to say that Blinken wasn't going to China? I'm so tired of people who lie to me. Wow. Now you know why Judge Deneen gets a huge audience. If you didn't know before, 11 a.m. every Sunday here on WABC. And it's the one to watch on the 5 every weekday afternoon at 5 p.m. on Fox News. That was that was four minutes of radio gold, Janine. I mean gold. One more for you talking about this administration. Rigor Mortis hasn't even set in. In some cases... <laughs> Little kids' bodies are still, like, laying in the classroom. And what do they go to right away? Right away. What? Gun control. Please. Not about the criminals. Oh. Not about the crazy bastard that went to Michigan State and killed these people. Not about yeah. the crazy bastard in Buffalo or Uvalde. They don't talk about the people committing the crimes. They go right to gun control when little kids are still dead in their classrooms, these son of a bitches. So what do you think about yeah. that? Well, I think, look, I think that what they've done is they've got an ideology that they stick with. They want to take guns away from everybody. And we all know, if anyone's a student of history, when they disarm you, it's over. And and you know what? It it, it is not only a constitutional right to have a gun, to have a weapon. It is a God-given right. It is a natural right. The people in Washington didn't give us that right, and they sure as hell aren't going to take that away from us. And the Supreme Court has said over and over again that, that, uh, you know, the gun possession is certainly legal. And you know what? These idiots, they don't even look at what their own policies reap. Chicago, no guns are allowed. It's got the, it's a, the people, it's like a war zone. It's like, it's worse than Iraq and Afghanistan. That's, That's a fact. Yeah. I feel like Don Lemon. Look it up, but he's an idiot. I'm not. Here's the difference. You go to any place where they outlaw guns. Everybody's got a gun who's a criminal and law-abiding citizens can't defend themselves. You know what? This is a no-brainer. This is when you draw the line and you say, you're not, you're taking my gun. Who was it? Charles Heston. <laughs> yes. Who said, from my cold, yep. hard body or yep. whatever. <laughs> I love Charles Heston. What did I? You know? Yep. He was great. He was a real American, uh, as you are. This was an unbelievable appearance. I love you to pieces, Judge Janine. I really do. Thank you. 11 a.m. every Sunday. All right, sweetheart. Take care. Man, is she good. I'm actually sweating. I'm sweating. It's disgusting. Stop sweating. I don't care what she said. Please stop sweating. It's disgusting. It is gross? Yeah, it's putrid. Nothing anyone so good. No one. Nothing anyone says should make you sweat. Never. No. I was sweating this week when you said the kid shouldn't read the Pledge of Allegiance. In there. Oh well, that's for a different reason. Okay. We're Eleven a.m. every Sunday and five p.m. every weekday afternoon on Fox News. Judge Janine Pirro just opened a can of whoop ass on New York City. We're not nearly done. The great New York Post columnist Michael Goodwin, Anthony Scaramucci, and Sid's take all coming up next hour. The fourth and final hour of today's show and the final hour of the week. With us, Sid and Friends in the Morning, only right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Oh, this.
This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. From my friends. 77 WABC. Show already so far today. Curtis Sliwa, Bo Dito, Lester Chang, Judge Nin Piero all stop by. Anthony Scaramucci coming up next. It looks like uh, Mayor Eric Adams will be back here on Wednesday with Laura Trump. So we continue to provide the best guests in the country, including Michael Goodwin, who I love dearly. The guy's brilliant and a great writer for the Post. Before I get to Michael quickly, I have to play one cut. I used to, um, I said all the time that Joy Behar was uh, the worst of the worst on the show, The View, which I did watch yesterday in my hotel room. I was home. I was alone. But I got to tell you, Whoopi Quarter. I used to love Whoopi Goldberg. I loved her in the movie Ghost. I thought she was cute in Sister Act. Always liked her. Uh, but the more she talks on the show, The View, the more I'm finding out there's not a big difference between Whoopi Goldberg and Don Lemon and Joy Reid and all these hateful bastards, all of them. Here's what she said yesterday about Ron DeSantis down in Florida, cut number one. He wants to argue that Florida mandates uh, teaching black history. It's been mandated since 1994, but funding was never mandated. It's been poorly enforced, and 11 of 67 of Florida school districts are considered to be truly meeting the mandate. Most districts limit instruction on black history to Black History Month. Then, you should also know, Florida's statute doesn't want students to to persuade towards a view that goes against state academic standards but Ron your own statute says students should learn to understand the ramifications of prejudice and racism but when you cherry pick and you decide what is going to be taught it makes it hard for me to take you seriously because you're saying you know queer black history isn't black history when do you say that queer history is American history is, is right? black history. There are black gay folks. There are? No kidding. Maybe you're one of them. I know you had sex with Ted Danson, but point being, when did Ron DeSantis say any of that? Never. Never. I mean, she's just a lying, gross racist and anti-Semite, Whoopi Goldberg. Here is uh, two latest columns. GOP's new biz probes may burst balloony Joe Biden's bubble. Kathy Hochul is deaf, dumb, and blind to New York's woes. Boy, did you get that right. Here he is from the New York Post, my friend Michael Goodwin. Mike, good morning. How are you? Uh, just great, Sid. Thank you. Uh, good to have you back here. I, you know, I, I just played that cut from Whoopi. I'm not sure if you like her. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. None of my business. But, you know, I play, I play something almost every day from Whoopi Goldberg where you know, she just finds a way to attack. She attacked, for example, a couple of days ago... Um, uh, who's the uh, lady? Uh, Nikki Haley. And yesterday sure. it was Ron DeSantis. So any way to attack a Republican candidate, she'll apply whatever you know, is good for today. Racist and and uh, and homophobe. She does it all the time, Mike, all the time. Well, you know, Sid, my my view on these things is that you can tell what someone reads by what comes out of their mouth. And I would say that Whoopi Goldberg only reads The New York Times 
and so she gets all of her news in a distorted fashion. So it's the Times that's peddling this nonsense. First, it was don't say gay, right? Remember that bill about uh, in, in, in teaching in Florida? Which, which by the, the way, bill, is a, it's a great bill, and all it is is a parental act bill which never, ever, ever uses the word gay, ever. That's right. Exactly right. But somehow, you know, you get these names rights for legislation. So Democrats always name Republican legislation in ways that are the most partisan possible. And then Whoopi Goldberg and people like her just mimic that. It becomes their brain food. They don't read anything else. They don't entertain any other ideas or viewpoints. They make they simplify it all in this most partisan fashion designed to do the work of the Democratic Party. I mean, the Democratic Party ought to be paying uh, her network uh, (laughs) advertising fees because every time she opens her mouth, it's an advertisement for Democrats. I used to think it was no big deal, Mike, Eh, whatever, she's on TV. But I have to tell you that there are so many people, maybe not millions, uh, maybe not 10 million, maybe even if it's 2 million, there are so many people that tune into these shows and take what these people say is gospel from young ages to adults. And I believe now it's not just a TV. It's dangerous because you do start to create a society of people, maybe only one or two, but they get crazy. They take it to the next level and they go, oh, that DeSantis and he hates gays. And we've seen people commit violent acts. I don't think Whoopi understands that because she's ignorant and in some cases stupid, the damage she's actually causing. Well, look, there's no question that uh, she is dumbing down the political discourse in this country and does it in a fashion, as you say, Sid, that, that projects hate, that projects total disregard, disrespect. There's no engagement. There's simply a lecture. And you know when she's giving these speeches, she read this somewhere, right? She didn't, she didn't study the situation and then write her own talking points. She's reading from something. Now, look, I get lots of emails from, from people in both parties. But I have to say there is on the left an industry of those who demonize the right. It's, it's a much more prevalent and bigger group. And, it, and they're always asking for money. It's vote blue, democracy now. Uh, and, and they're always on the attack. And they've been on the attack against DeSantis for more than a year now because they recognized that he is a potential Republican uh, presidential candidate and maybe the leading one, according to some polls. And so they've got to go after him, hammer and tong. I mean, they're doing the work of the Democratic Party of trying to dirty him up. Now, they tried it before the election and he won in a blowout. Uh, So it didn't work. But they're not going to give it up. They're, they're raising money constantly. Whoopi Goldberg is kind of a spokesperson for that wing of the party, and she has this platform. And that's how the Democrats operate. And the Republicans don't really have an answer to that. They don't have, other than a few people uh, on television who are on the right, I mean, the left has – uh, you know, MSNBC, it has the broadcast network, CNN. 
the right has some parts of Fox News, but Fox News has always been more equal in the sense it will have the Democratic point of view on there. It may be one third instead of one half, but it's there and it's clear and it's given space and time. That's not the case of the view. There's nobody on there who would counteract her. No, they, nobody no, else in that audience. They have a no. couple of token conservatives, but who are very quiet, who are really sort of left-leaning conservatives, yeah, it's true. Uh, not, not right-leaning conservatives. No, you're right. The three stars of that show are Whoopi Goldberg, Joy Behar, and Sonny Hostin, and all three of them are brutal in their approach. Now, you're right. Uh, I uh, usually repeat what I read, and guess who I read? I read you, Mike. And I love this uh, paragraph right here. It goes... To decide housing is public enemy number one, Governor Hochul has to ignore the impact of rampant crime, the nation's highest tax burden, failing public schools, and a declining quality of life. All those problems and others are cited in various surveys of the hundreds of thousands of people who have left New York City and state or hope to. You even quote Mark Twain when he said, and I quote, the difference between the almost right word and the right word is really a large matter. It's a difference between the lightning bug and the lightning. Brilliant, by the way. But you're right. Hochul is out there, and she is deaf, dumb, and blind to New York's woes. You thought maybe when she won, maybe she would start to figure it out. She's not even close. No, and, and this, this issue of focusing on housing as though it is the cause of this flight. Now, it's important to remember that New York leads the nation in out-migration. And she says, if, if we don't stop it, if we don't rate, r- reduce the price of housing, New York will only be affordable for millionaires and billionaires. But she totally misstates and misdiagnoses the problem when she thinks that housing is what's driving people away. Now, granted, the overall cost of living is part of that. But the millionaires and billionaires who are leaving New York, they're leaving New York in greater numbers than the middle class or the poor. And the reason is because of the crime, because of the poor quality of life, because of the tax structure, which penalizes wealth, because of uh, the the poor school system. But these are the real problems that people talk about in these surveys. But Hochul doesn't want to hear them because she doesn't want to do anything about them or she can't do anything about them because the legislature yeah. is so far left. And so she, it's like looking for your keys where the light is good <laughs> rather than where you actually lost your keys. I mean, it's easier to talk about housing. But even that, you know, she wants to force suburban towns to to. Give up a lot of single-family zoning and build apartment towers. That is not going to go over well with a a lot of uh, suburban legislators. Agreed. And you've been pretty high on Eric Adams. You were initially very high. And then you kind of came down a little bit. Now I become very <laughs> fun- I, know. I become very friendly with the mayor. That's true. We, we talk almost every day. We go for dinner every couple of weeks. He is willing to listen to me, a Republican voice. I'm not a raging Republican like the New York Daily News wrote two weeks ago. I'm pro-choice. I'm pro-gay marriage. But I am Republican. He's willing to listen to me. But it's not been a very good run. And when we talk about education One day he likes charter schools. He's up in Albany a couple of days ago. I couldn't tell if he likes charter schools. Where are you today, Michael Goodwin, with the mayor, Eric Adams? Well, disappointed, uh, I think is the best way to think of it, that 
his uh, his focus wanders. I mean, when when I endorsed him, when I voted for him, because uh, I'm a Democrat, um, I voted for him in the primary as well as the general election. But I wanted I liked the things he said about crime, first of all, which I believe is is public enemy number one. Uh, I liked what he said about charters. Uh, and and I like what he even said about taxes, that the city needed to have a, a more rational tax structure going forward. So I like those three things, but crime number one. And there's no denying that there has been some progress in terms of murders and shooting, both of which are pretty much down double digit from the year before he became mayor. But it doesn't end there. I mean, the shoplifting, for example, the assaults on the street, he's trying to do things, but it doesn't seem consistent. It doesn't seem determined enough. I don't think he picks enough fights uh, with the right people. He, he complains about the media coverage, but he ought to be fighting like, like cats and dogs with Albany, with Hochul. Those people are the ones who made the laws and he knows this. He talks about it, but he but he's he's sort of willing to accept defeat. And I think you cannot change the culture of New York City and Albany unless you are not willing to accept defeat, unless you refuse to accept that this is the best we can do. And so I think unless he gets mad at Hochul, at Heasty, at, uh, at Stuart Cousins, who run the legislature, I think he's not going to get anything. And even with charters and school choice overall, he's, he's been, as you say, back and forth on both sides of the issue. It's this lack of consistency, this lack of consistent, uh, I would say, passion uh, that is really leaving him without a lot of accomplishments. And if he doesn't soon get these laws changed, because it takes a while, uh, if he doesn't soon get this done, he's going to be running for re-election with not a lot to point to as accomplishment. Yeah, and the uh, president's stuff will go right out the window. Hard to argue all the things you just said, Mike. Only way out, I'm curious. I'm, you said uh, I'm a Democrat. I voted for Eric Adams, and uh, you write a lot of pieces about Joe Biden, including this balloon piece where he's he's lost. The fact is, his president is lost. It's a horrible administration. Yeah. Right. When you say you're a Democrat, would are you only vote Democrat? So if I said to you, Pete Buttigieg who's done a horrendous job at this chemical toxin deal in Ohio, the airlines. He's the transportation secretary. If he's the best you've got on the left, it's a hypothesis. <laughs> and Ron DeSantis is on the right, but he's a Republican. On that day, is Michael Goodwin still a Democrat? Oh, it's not even close. No, I mean, I vote like an independent. Gotcha. Uh, I live in New York City uh, to, you know, in many cases, the primary is the election. Uh, because in many cases, Republicans don't even put up an, an opponent. And so you have to vote in the primary in New York City. So uh, I follow the advice that uh, Charles Krauthammer repeated, and he credited William F. Buckley, which is that you vote for the most conservative person who can be elected. Uh, and that's generally what I do in all elections. Wh whoever that person is, whatever party they're on, 
I vote for the most conservative person who can be elected. And so among the Democratic primary last year, the Democrats running for mayor, I thought Eric Adams on the issue of crime was the most conservative person who could be elected. Agreed. And, and I thought so in the general election as well. So that's, that's my guiding principle uh, in these chief executive races. Yeah. Uh, and so that's how I vote. Yeah. And you can imagine, as critical as we both are at this point of Eric, and we both like him, could be a lot worse if it was Maya Wiley. I'm just saying. Well, that's it. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you know, that, that's what stays my hand. People say, oh, have you given up on Adams yet? And I say, well, no, consider the alternatives. Right. It's true. Hey, listen, you're, uh, you're an amazing writer. You may even be better on, on radio. I don't know. You're that great. So thank you for once again taking the time to speak with me this morning. Have a great weekend. Hopefully we'll do this again very, very soon. Thank you, Michael Goodwin. My pleasure, Sid. Thank you. Take care. There he is, the great writer, New York Post, and really a terrific radio guest, too. Michael Goodwin, here on Sid and Friends in the Morning. My next guest had a huge part on a very popular television show locally on 5 on Fox, Special Forces, where they took his physicality to the limit. Spent about 11 days as the White House Communications Director under Donald Trump. Owns a great restaurant down in the theater district, a very successful businessman, hedge fund guy here in New York City, and was told just days ago by Chris Cuomo on his podcast, Chris, I wanted to kill everybody, including myself. We'll talk to Anthony Scaramucci next. Radio 77 WABC. Another great song, Taylor Hawkins, Rest in Peace. Tonight I have to go to the, um, how's the name of this place? The The National Arts Club. National Arts Club. Joe Abood has a, a big night tonight. He talked about this when he was in studio with me on Valentine's Day. They're honoring Joseph, and deservedly so, the greatest men's fashion designer ever. And a really good guy on top of that sweet man. I love him. So it's in Gramercy Park, and i got to get dressed up and go there tonight. And I'm actually going to interview Joseph on stage for about 45 minutes with a bunch of these artsy-fartsy types. You won't be there, Lou. You coming tonight to the National Arts Club? They wouldn't catch Lewis any, any, anywhere near that place, ever, the National Arts Club, ever. Michael Goodwin was great. Judge Anine Puro was great. Curtis Sliwa, Bo Deedle. What a show today. Who am I missing at uh, 740? Phil, who was on? Lester Chang. That's right, Lester Chang out of Brooklyn. What was his, uh, he said the best Chinese restaurant is what? I honestly didn't even hear what he said. I'm, I'm upset, too, because I live in Brooklyn. I want to go there, but I didn't even hear what he said. He said something on 61st Street. Yeah, I forgot the name. He said he loves a good Chinese bakery. Who does? That, that's all I took from that uh, interview. Not- Curtis started e- emailing me uh, Chinese bakery recipes. No, no, me recipes. too. There's no pineapples in, in Chinese muffins or something. I don't know. Uh, God, God knows. Anyway, I did watch uh, the show on Fox, Special Forces. I like Mike Piazza. I like Dwight Howard. I like... A lot of the folks on that show, but my guy's Anthony Scaramucci, been a good, really good friend of mine for a long time. Long time. 
And um, we all know Anthony worked for Donald Trump and uh, last set up, whatever it was. It doesn't matter. Guy is a brilliant guy. He's a great businessman, hedge fund guy, knows the markets and money as well as anybody, has a thriving, terrific restaurant in the theater district, is a great friend, good father. I love the guy. And he interviewed uh, Chris Cuomo a couple of days ago. And, of course, if you listen to me every day, you know that Chris Cuomo, after seeing me on the streets right before New Year's, when I invited him on the show a couple of weeks ago, came back with very threatening text messages, which he extended for about three days, then completely disappeared, turned into a whole huge bit on this show. But now we find out why maybe he was doing that, because he was out of his mind. Here he is, my dear friend, Anthony Scaramucci. Mooch, good morning, pal. How are you? You know, you are the best at what you do. You know, I don't know if it's the way you say it, the elocution. I don't know what it is, but you are the best at what you do. All right, wow. so what do you want to Thank talk you. about? I Go appreciate ahead. that. Thank Go you. Go ahead, Hanson. What do you want to talk about? Well, what are you I, wearing tonight to the, to the show? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, it, it's stressing me out, the whole thing. It's Friday. It's raining. I just want to go to bed. But do you know the whole history behind me and, and Cuomo, the whole thing? I thought you guys were going to box each other or something like that. Right. right? So, no, right. I, so what happened, that? that's right. what Cindy Adams wrote, because what happened, Anthony, was I saw Chris. I never met him before. First time ever. Right, right before New Year's, we exchanged pleasantries. Happy New Year, blah, blah, blah. About two weeks after that, I text Chris. I go, hey, how about coming on the show? The very next text is, you know what? You're lucky. I go, Why? He goes, it occurred to me, you're the guy that talks crap about my brother on the air. I go, you're damn right I do. He's a murderer. He's a bad guy. He goes, well, you're lucky I didn't put my arms around your neck and strangle you right there. And I said, slow down, Chris. You're lucky. You're lucky you didn't do that because I know you think you're a tough guy, but it wouldn't be that easy. And it turned into three days, three days of nasty text from Chris Cuomo. And now, if listening to, to your show, your podcast, now I think I figured out why he's out of his mind. All right, all right, all right. Well, look, look. Right. First of all, have you ever been out of your mind? Because you know I've been out of my mind, and I of course. think once. Well, one one point in your life, you were probably a little out of your mind. Okay, Chris is one of our guys. Okay, you can like or dislike Chris, and whatever happened between the two of you, why don't the three of us have dinner one night? Oh, okay, God. and we'll sit down. What? Yeah, well, what are you saying? Oh, God, let's sit down and have dinner because you see, you and him are more similar than you think. Okay, and you probably would end up liking each other. You know how many people I have started out in life with an adversarial or somewhat pushing, uh, fighting sort of uh, stance, and then I end up friends with the person. You know, oh, it happens to all of us. Okay, we don't. We don't. Yeah, of, of course. course. We're not. We're not going to sit around and uh, and hold grudges towards each other. You know. I mean, General Kelly fired me. I'm I'm on speaking tours with the guy. I go I go have beers with the guy. It's no It's no problem for guys to do that. You know. Chris had a very bad time. If you listen to the whole podcast, I thought he came across very real and very human. You know, and what I love about you, Sid, you've acknowledged problems that you've had in your life. You know, I've I've acknowledged problems that I've had in my life. Yes. And I think it's important for people to do this because it, 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 it shows their humanity and it shows their authenticity. So that one quote where they said, oh, he's going to kill everybody or kill himself. He did say it. But he said it in the context of some massive amounts of frustration. Now, I'm Italian. I have a tendency to sometimes say things that are outrageous that I actually don't really mean, but I'm saying it, you know, to get it off my chest. You remember what Ed Koch used to say? You're not giving me the cancer. 
I'm giving you the cancer. Yeah, that's funny because you know what he used yeah, to say that? right. No, so it's okay. not ex- to, to Chris, uh, silly Chris. I know you said it too, but it's not exclusive to Italians. Whether it's Ed Concha, Sid Rosenberg, we do the same thing. Jews, same thing. Yeah, no, no, a hundred percent. So my my point is, he was saying it. He was saying it off the cuff. He was venting a little bit of a frustration. But if you if you listen, and I know you listen to the whole thing, there's a human side to this where. He was trying to help his brother. We could debate whether or not that was the right or wrong thing to do. But you want to know something? I would always try to help my brother. And I know you would always try to help your brother. Okay. And then secondarily, when he got side clocked in his mind, he feels he was up front and he was transparent. Perhaps they don't feel that way. Uh, and that's why they're in the row that they're in right now. No, but I, I get, but I, I get all that. When you, when, I, you, when, you get, when you get knocked off your horse, okay, yeah. you got two things you could do. You, you got to get up. And I think if you listen to the podcast, he's gotten himself up, um, but he's still a little shell-shocked from the situation. And I almost admire the honesty related to that. And, I, and, I'll, and I'll state for the record right here, you and Chris Cuomo would actually like each other. <laughs> you're, you're and, uh, you, and by the way, I'm going to tell you what, Gasparino used to light up Governor Cuomo every day in the post. Okay, You know what I did? I took Gasparino and Andrew to the Hunt and Fish Club. Okay, and we sat down and had a meal. Okay, and now they have a relationship. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? No, so, I do. I've done I mean, that, and I love Charlie, and I, I, I've done that yeah. before. I get all that, but, no, and I, but I, I love Charlie. Lights me up in the post all the time. I don't <laughs> care. I love Charlie. I go back. I go back 25 years with Charlie. Don't care. Um, you know, we we see the world very similarly, where we disagree. He's got the power of the pen. God bless him. Okay, but here's here's the thing I would say to you, Sid. Okay. Because you're a real guy. Okay. You know why people listen to your show? Because you're a real guy. Okay. They're, they're in their car. They're, you know, they're at the kitchen, whatever they're doing. Like, I'm going to listen to Sid because he's a real guy. He's going to tell us what he really thinks. And it's going to help me with my life. Because you know what? Some of the things that Sid Rosenberg thinks, I happen to think. Or maybe I agree with him. Or maybe I disagree with him. Chris is a lot like that. I know that, but let me you say this, like Chris. Him. Let me if say you this. Sat down with him. You would like him. Maybe I would, but here's here's a, and I and I thought I did that night. It would be one thing, Anthony, if Chris all of a sudden got combative with me, had these other issues, because, like you said, he was going through a hard time. But I will tell you this: I know people, Anthony, that know Chris for thirty years, and they say he's always this this guy always wants to start a fight. It's happened in the Hamptons. It's happened in the city. Now it's happened with me. So it's not like, oh, my God, he's going through a tough time. I've been to rehab twice. I've been to jail twice. I've been out of my mind. And during those days, I was worse than I ordinarily am. What I'm told is that's been Chris for 30 years. Now what? <laughs> Did I lose him? You don't have friends You don't have friends that are a little mishugging? Oh, Honestly, you have no friends that are a little mishugging. Yes, I do. In, but... in, your, in your, lifetime, your lifetime, you've never been a little combative your whole lifetime. Not like this guy. This, this guy starts fights Rosenberg. everywhere. You got muscles, Rosenberg. <laughs> I've seen you in the gym. You got muscles on top of muscles. Yeah. Okay, you're not. You've never once been combative with anybody. Not you every day. Once. Not like this guy. This guy wants to fight every day. I mean, every day. Okay, hold on a second. Hold on a second. You're deflecting. You're deflecting. You're doing a little bit of whataboutism. You never once. You never once said, you know, I'm a little combative. Not every day. Not deflecting. Right, I'm right. Sure, I have. This guy does it every day. This guy can't walk into a restaurant without starting a fight. Anthony, what's the matter with him? I, I don't. I don't agree with that. But you don't? I, listen. You know, here's the here's. No, I don't because here's the thing with me. Okay, and this is why I think sometimes you invite me on the show because I, I give you my honest opinion. Okay, there's a good person inside of Chris Cuomo. Okay, he's a friend of mine. Uh, does he need 
uh, you know, help and support when he gets shit canned like that, he certainly does. Okay. When I got fired from the White House, since, you know, we, we, you know, and it's six years ago, it's hard to believe, I was getting destroyed, Sid. Yep. Okay. I was getting lit up by the late night comedians. I was getting destroyed by cable pundits. I was getting written about in the paper in excoriating ways. You, you mentioned Cindy Adams. She's friends with Trump. She was trying to steamroll me once a day in the post. Okay. You can get upset. You can react to things in a way that don't reflect to the best parts of your personality or the better angels of your nature. Okay. It can happen. Okay. I took a position back then that, hey, I made a mistake. I own the mistake. I'm moving forward with my life. I'm not looking backwards. Okay. When you have a tendency sometimes to look backwards, you can fill your head with regret and it can cause you to think about things in the wrong way. Okay, so so I'm just telling you, he needs a little bit of a help to push him in the right direction. The future is very bright, bright for Chris Cuomo. It's bright for me. It's bright for you. Just got to get people to think more about the future and today and less about the past and mistakes or grievances that could have happened back then. Let's talk about the future with you, Anthony, because I got to really like you. I was on a, a, a flight, a JetBlue flight, and I never met you before. I didn't know much about you. And I was watching, um, who's that guy I don't like on Fox? Uh, Louis, the guy that, uh, I think he's an idiot, actually. He's on in the afternoon. You probably another, like another him. Guy, another, another guy you don't like. <laughs> yeah. okay, okay, he, let's he, I know. Guy. He's on Fox News. He's a jerk. But anyway, you were on his show. I forgot his name. He's very popular. And uh, you, were, you were talking up Scott Walker at the time. He was going to be your candidate. You were going to give him money. And you were so learned on everything. I was like, who is this guy, Anthony Scaramucci? I got to get to know this guy. And then, of course, you went to work for Donald Trump, and then you came on the show, and you were a great guest. You were a brilliant guy and a sweet guy. And uh, now I'm curious. I know even you would admit that. No, I know you've admitted. Joe Biden has been a complete disaster. Are you leaning towards any candidate right now, right or left, heading into 2024? Okay, so I'm a lifelong Republican. Um, uh, you know, I consider myself a New York style Republican, so I'm socially inclusive or agnostic to those issues. I'm more about like having a muscular defense and trying to help the economy grow and lift people out of poverty. So I, but I'm a lifelong Republican and I've said this on your show and I'm going to repeat this. Okay. We had better messengers in our movement than Donald Trump. So if you told me Ron DeSantis was at the top of the ticket, I'm supporting Ron DeSantis. If you told me Nikki Haley was at the top of the ticket, I'm going to support her. Uh, you, you pick one of those people, Mike Pompeo, no problem. Uh, those people are learned. They've got the intellectual curiosity and the executive management skills to do the job, and they have prior track records in the government. So those would be the people I would support uh, if, if they were running. If Trump runs again, I know you love Trump and you tell me all the time that you love Trump. I'm just telling you, he's not the right guy at this part of the American story. The great American experiment that started in 1789 with the ratification of that Constitution, Trump is the wrong guy. If you want to unify the country, grow the economy, defend ourselves against enemies, foreign and domestic, I wouldn't choose him. There's okay. other people on the list that I would hire for that job. Not him. I, I got a problem with that. Uh, by the way, Neil Cavuto is the guy I was talking about. So, so as we wrap this up, I can't stand Neil Cavuto. I can't stand him. So, <laughs> I can't. so as we, <laughs> and I'm not going, and I'm not going for dinner with Neil at your place either. So, as we wrap this up, if I agree, Anthony Scaramucci, to have dinner 
me, yeah. you, and Chris yeah. Cuomo at your restaurant, yeah. would you yeah. be agreeable to having that same type of dinner with Donald Trump? A hundred percent. You would? One hundred percent. You invite me to dinner with Donald Trump, and he's actually going to show up at the dinner. I'm coming. You're no coming. problem. Even though he, he got very personal with you, he went after Deirdre, which was a hundred, wrong. A hundred percent, because you know what? I don't hold grudges, okay? And I would a hundred percent go to dinner with him. I would bury the hatchet, but that wouldn't mean I would vote for him for president, you know? And I a hundred percent. There's no no problem. I don't. Let me let me tell you something. And 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 Sid, you should really listen to this. The the anger is a poison that you're drinking, not you, Sid Rosenberg. I mean, the third person, you. The anger is a poison that you're drinking, hoping that the other person dies. Yeah, it's true. Okay. That's great. In life, in life, you got to let Love go that. of your anger. In life, you got to, you know, and, well, what did Buddy Hackett say? You're sitting there stewing angry. The other guy's out dancing. <laughs> the other guy's out dancing. He doesn't care. Okay. And so you got to release the anger in life and you got to let go of the grudges. And so you get me, you want to go and have dinner with him? No problem. But I'm going to tell you what, it's going to be a tough dinner for him because he's got to apologize to me. I gave him a lot of money for his campaign, hundreds of hours of media advocacy. I went to go work for him. He asked me to do a job to get rid of Priebus and Bannon. I went to go do that. I made a mistake in the White House, got fired, never complained about it, never blamed him for it. Two years later, I was still supporting him. He goes after my wife on Twitter. The guy's nuts. Come on. Sid, the guy is nuts. He should not be sitting there with the nuclear football. OK, having said that, he goes to dinner with me. He's not going to like the dinner because it's going to be a, a pretty upfront dinner. But I'm happy to do the dinner. You would do it, too. I know you very well. You don't uh, say things you don't 100%. mean. Anthony, that was a great, 100%. great appearance. I love having you on, man. I really do. I love you. God bless you. We'll do it again very, very All soon. Right, I'm calling Chris to see if I can get this dinner set up. <laughs> All okay, right. Text me. Text me after the show. OK. All right. God bless. <laughs> there he All is. Right. Anthony Scaramucci. I love him. Boy. Now it's time. For Sid's Take. Sid's Take! Sid's Take, yeah! Good luck. It's Sid's Take. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. All right, the Sid's Take game sponsored by Pete Morgan and Fearless Boilers. Got to go to fearlessboilers.com, pavilionchecklist.com for a dealer near you. They are America's best built boilers. We got Mark and Bayonne. Mark, we got to be quick about it today. Uh, football trivia. Because <laughs> Justin okay. might not make it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Fo- yeah, football trivia. You ready to go? Go ahead. All right, number one. Who is currently the betting favorite to win the NCAA football national championship next year? Um, uh, Georgia Tech. No. Georgia. Georgia. Yeah, the first part, right? Over one, under number two. What team has the number one overall pick in the 2023 NFL draft? Cleveland Browns. Nope. Chicago Bears. Over two. Under number three. What is the only team in the NFL that plays in a stadium called a, quote, Superdome? The Saints. Nice. One for three. Under number four. Name the only Heisman Trophy winner to have their award vacated. Uh, Uh. I don't know. Ooh. I was just about to give you a hint, too. He played for those Saints, Reggie Bush. On to number five, one for four. What color was the Gatorade in this year's Super Bowl that got poured on the coach on Andy Reid? Red. Mm. Loser! Purple. Correct answer is 
purple. Get the big guy back uh, in here. Uh, it's a good effort, Mark. It's a tough game. That'll be our last uh, football Friday, uh, I guess, obviously, right? That's an obvious, obvious idea. Now that um, football season has concluded, we're on to bigger and better things here. Especially after that abysmal holding call. Here we go. All right, no time for screwing around today. We got to go. Let's go. Number one, who's currently the betting favorite to win the NCAA Football National Championship next year? I, 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 Georgia, I don't know. They won. <laughs> By the way, I've got a couple dates here from Mooch about this potential dinner. We Darn. have to discuss this at length on Monday, whether I should or shouldn't do it. Yes, I need, yes, a, I need all your advice. Yeah. yeah, well, we have time. We'll, we'll make have... time. Okay. We'll, I'll, how about this? How about I'll spend the next 30 minutes and go to Kill Me to 1030? Um, I get better ratings. That's fine. That'll cost me. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. One for one. What team has the number one overall pick in the 2023 NFL draft? Oh, God. Uh, I should know this, right? Mm. The Texans blew it. That idiot blew it. Lovey Smith. And so instead it went to the... Hmm. Oh, Damn. I don't remember. Darn. Chicago Bears. Oh, the Bears. That's right. All right, one for two, under number three. What is the only team in the NFL that plays in a stadium called a, quote, Superdome? The Wallen Saints. There you go. Two for three, under number four. Name the only Heisman Trophy winner to have their award vacated. Taken away. Oh, that was uh, what's, uh, Reggie Bush. There you go. Three for four, under number five. What color was the Gatorade in this year's Super Bowl? It got poured on Andy Reid. Oh, God, I have no idea. Red. Yeah. Red. Yeah. Well, that's a good guess. Play win? Yeah, you won. Three for five. What oh, was the enthusiasm right. you usually give me? I don't know. I don't have any enthusiasm game. today. I loved today's game. It was the best game. I mean, what that was ever played? What did somebody yell about the clock again or something? No, we just. I mean, well, we just don't. We don't have any time to have fun when we. Uh, when we don't time. have time. We're having fun right now. No, we're not. No. I'm we, having we, fun. We have, to, we have to go to a break. Actually, <laughs> are you actually giving me a hard time on my show? No, not at all. I feel okay. like you are. No. Fired. Phil, you host the game on Monday. <laughs> it's Sid's Take. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. Sid and Friends in the Morning. Fine. 77 WABC. It's fine. It's a good song, too. Here's some uh, moron named Rick Rodine on Instagram. He says, please stop mentioning Rush. I like your show, but it's lightweight entertainment. What does that mean? Was Judge Janine lightweight today? Is Bill O'Reilly lightweight? I don't know what that means. Michael Goodwin or the mayor. What does lightweight mean? He goes on to go this moron. Limbaugh was a giant intellect. So what? So what? Who cares? Exactly. Thank you. Comparing your show to his is like comparing a McDonald's Happy Meal to a Peter Luger prime rib. See, people confuse intellect with great they, entertainment. Yeah. They, like they, well, it, they, no, you're the dumb one, Rick, not us. You're well, dumb. If he could listen to it for three straight hours, God, God bless God you. God bless you. Yeah. It's just, I don't get it. And so. I don't care that he has millions and millions and millions more followers or made a billion dollars. means nothing to me. means nothing. I take everything at face value. And there's entertainment and there's, okay, he was a very smart guy. He was on the right side of things. He died way too early, God rest his soul. But he was not more entertaining than me. Yeah, and that's not, all we're talking yeah, about. That's about it. That, right. That's it. It's just... Rick Rodine, you putz. <laughs> that's entertainment. You're not going to get that with uh, Rush Limbaugh, dickface. And megadittos to you, Rich, or whatever your name was. Yeah. I am intellect, so lightweight. thank you. What lightweight entertainment? No one does about interview with me. Nobody. I, I don't care. Not Rush, not anybody. Not anybody. 
Joe Nunziata checks in. I love him. He's a jerk off, this guy. And by the way, Peter Luger doesn't have prime rib. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Steak for oh, one, steak God. for two, steak for three. Steak uh, yeah, for yeah. I love Nunziato. They said that uh, if I have this dinner with Chris Cuomo, that him and Charlie Marino would be glad to stand outside. So that'll be like something got a sparks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. I hope people get home safe. Bring yeah. Bo and Curtis to the same yeah. table. Well, yeah. I can tell you that's going to happen. I mean, I, when I say it's going to happen, Anthony has already texted me dates and... I guess Chris is, well, I don't know if Chris has agreed yet, but we'll have to discuss this on Monday. Or, I, I don't know. It's, it's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of stuff to be Well, you're not going to be here on Monday, yeah, so. I am going to be here on Are Monday. You? Why would I be here on Monday? President's Day. What President? Stop it. President's Day. Are you not coming in? <laughs> That's what we agreed on. I know, but I've been told I have to come in now. You don't have to. You take the day off. You work hard enough and you're great. <laughs> fine. What a yo-yo. I'm on a yo-yo string. Low uh, it is what it is. All right. Fine. I love you to death. And by the way, you had an amazing week. You're all, I mean, you're so good. It's You're really great. People love you, than, and they should, because you're great. And you're so easy to work with and smart and funny, and I love you to pieces. I'm going <laughs> to cry like... like you know, like you died. Like, like Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, kind of like I said about Bernie about six months ago. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, Phil, you were great, too. I don't love you as much as I love Lou. In fact, I don't even love you at all. I kind of defined of you at the very most, but you did a very good job. That's fair. I can't ask for anything more than that. <laughs> <laughs> I do love you. Justin Ellick, I love you, too. Noam Layden, I am so proud of him. He's great at what he does. He's been an amazing addition every morning to this show. He's funny. He's smart. Thank you, Noam. We'll all be back, God willing, on Monday morning on President's Day. Thank you for listening, and, and thank you for uh, staying with us. Have yourselves a terrific weekend. From the whole crew here to all of you until 6 a.m. on Monday morning. Be safe out there, New York City. Peace! Hi, it's Lou Dobbs for Priority Gold, America's precious metals dealer. These are volatile times with high inflation, soaring debt, wars on multiple continents, and rising financial stress. Central banks are buying gold to diversify their reserves, so are many Americans. Call Priority Gold and find out how precious metals can help you diversify your portfolio. They're highly rated and happy to help. Call 1-866-303-6357 or get a free gold guide at PriorityGoldGuide.com. That's Priority. PriorityGoldGuide.com